So, Sean, who's the guy that's going to take you back to the past and play some shitty games that suck ass? Angry video game nerd. Yes. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Just caught my eye up there, that my My frame photo. signed photo from him? Yeah, because I remember you showed me the other, t- other time I was over. Mm-hmm. That game of that game that... Uh, Makes people kill each other, or that game that sucks. Oh yeah, I, for, I forgot what the name of the game was, but it was like one of his more recent videos from Halloween, where yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, where it was in like an arcade cabinet that would, yeah, that was like never seen by anybody in the government conspiracy had thing. Like a war game basically a creepy pasta. Yeah, I don't know if it was war games that movie, that eighties movie kind of filled like uh, with Matthew Matthew Broderick. That movie. yeah, except <laughs> more like almost like you're being possessed at the same time. Oh, so it was it more. Was funny. Yeah, it was, it was really funny. good. It was hilarious. He did a he did a Christmas uh, episode after that too, which it was, was really good. Like, what was it only like twenty? It was good. Lo- it was a good length, maybe twenty minutes to a half hour. But it was yeah. Perfect, no, perfect his time, his, his episodes usually are like a good uh, twenty to thirty minutes. Usually, there's sometimes he does specials a bit longer. We used to watch that with our buddy Nell. The uh, back in the uh, when he used to. There's all his Nintendo games. He gets so frustrated and starts off by being so frustrated. I own almost every season on uh, DVD. Yeah, I'm trying to recollect him in Blu-ray now, but... Yeah, we have to watch that on a lazy day or something. Watch those. Huh? I'm interested. <laughs> I mean, he's got a channel on YouTube, so you can watch him literally any time. Yeah, actually, after this podcast, I might when I get home, I might subscribe to him. Actually, that's a good question. I don't think I am subscribed to him. Yeah. He does other stuff, too. Like He just does Let's Plays and things like that and reviews movies and all that stuff. He's a huge horror movie buff. You know that? Uh, older movies, though. He likes, horror, yeah. yeah, he likes older horror. And, uh... Talking flashes, or...? Um, yeah, um, kind of. He's also, he's really big into, like, um, literally, like, the, the old 19, like, 30s and 40s stuff. Like, um, like, Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy. Those are some of his favorites. And that's where he draws his inspiration from when he makes, like, AVGN episodes or, and, um... Anything, any other special video things that he does? Right. Hey, that guy is the big, is James hilarious. Ralph. Yeah, he is hilarious. he's yeah, pretty good. Right up there with that headset. It was that a? I can't really see. It's kind of in the dark. That Nintendo controller, or what? That's on him. That he's holding to the to our right. Uh, yeah, he's holding all sorts of like Nintendo stuff. He's got like a Nintendo headset thing from like the regular NES, I think it was, or Super Nintendo. And he's got some other things like a power glove and stuff like that on. It's one of his like iconic moments. He did a thing in one of his episodes where he's wearing all that stuff he and he, has, he had to known, fight something. He's known to have the pocket protector with all his pens. <laughs> yeah, because he's a nerd. Nerd is in his title. Yeah, he was the he used to be the angry Nintendo nerd, and then he changed himself to angry video game nerd after his like first season of episodes because he's like. This isn't going to last as long if I'm just Nintendo. <laughs> he's so, got two kids now. Oh, oh, he's got, oh, wow. Yeah, his second kid just recently got born or is being born soon or something like that. Pretty interesting. I know, I know a lot of stuff on him only because of his YouTube videos and stuff like that. Uh, he's a really interesting guy, though. He used to work in films. Yeah. And then he just posted videos up on his website. This is before YouTube was a thing to post videos up like on his website and then he ended up being like found by another like one of those bigger websites where he put his videos on there 
and then he uh, joined Screw Attack, which is still around, but they're, um, I think they're owned by Rooster Teeth now, which is interesting. But um, he used to he used to work for Screw Attack, where he would upload videos there, along with his channel Cinemassacre dot com. And then That's right. I've seen his either seen recommendations to like his subscribe to it based on the stuff that I watch on my history. Mm-hmm. So on YouTube, so I'll probably subscribe definitely. Uh, at home tonight. Luckily, I don't have to work early in the morning, so I'm either gonna play some Xbox or watch some YouTube, chill out. Yeah, go to bed. Yeah, but I mean, like, you can even get the sense of him liking horror because it's literally in his title of his his website, Cinema Massacre. Cin- Cinemassacre, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a chainsaw is his is his logo. It's yeah, like, this guy definitely uh, right up my alley. And you've we've it's funny because years ago we used to watch him with our buddy Nell, and now holy crap, it's like wow, how am I not subscribed to this guy <laughs> after all these years? And <laughs> yeah, you might you might like his uh, reviews on older. Uh, horror movies and stuff like that. B movies. He's he, he's a huge fan of of B movies. Loves B movies the most. I think. Speaking of horror movies, what are we here for? I don't know. Well, who are we? Oh, I'm Sean. Yeah, co-host. Uh, I'm Kyle. <laughs> you love to push that co-host thing, huh? No, I'm one of them. This is, this is becoming a group. I'm glad because this is now becoming like a group, buddy. You know, on Thursdays, our buddy Paul made a guest appearance. Our buddy Zach is also a well well known for this podcast yep. uh, channel. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can do one eventually. The four of us. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. It is. It's hard enough for it's hard enough for three of us to even get around to each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> you want Paul four. and I will start get glaring at each other like stop moving the mic. But uh, we make it work. Three for three is okay. Zach, uh, Zach, I've done one with Zach before too. Three is okay. Yeah, three's a good number. <laughs> Uh, it would be nice. I just don't have yeah higher quality mics and stuff like that. Is, uh, you already have uh, Kyle already has a nice setup in here for mm-hmm. his mics and equipment. Yeah, I give him credit for that. <laughs> so this is word you. <laughs> Did you sound like you were unsure of that? I'm making sure the audience is awake. Who, who Are you sure? Oh, yeah, it's word spew. Yeah, it's word spew. <laughs> Open word spew, where we uh, we say things and you listen to them in your car or wherever else you may be listening to this podcast cleaning the house you know you're outside yeah it's good for cleaning the house good you know you listen to us while while you're working out you listen to us while we're working out instead how's that sound yep so speaking (laughs) of horror movies i finally convinced kyle because i'm a huge fan obviously kyle is too but this is his channel this is his channel his podcast and he agreed to do some horror um a little horror tonight, so we're going to pretty much be covering, uh, you know, by decade. Um, we're going to talk about some back in the 19th, 20th century horror, some gothic horror. Then we're going to move all the way up till current day. Current day, basically, uh, yeah. And then we have a nice discussion in in a plan. We have a planned discussion at the end for you guys, uh, based on our opinions on certain topics. Don't want to spoil anything, so. Uh, some c- certain ideologies in the horror uh, genre. Yep. So we we hope you guys uh, stay tuned throughout the whole podcast, and thanks for listening in. But uh, I guess we'll start it off, Kyle. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I'm just gonna start you off with a nice little bit of history. Um, 
So horror did start in the 19th century at the very end, back when films were very, very new. Yeah. Um, basically, were only short films. They had no sound. So uh, basically, pretend like you're watching us and we're talking, but right. there's no words coming out of our mouths or anything like that. And then they throw in like a slide of words if they wanted to afterwards to kind of convey it. But a lot of actors had to just convey emotion and whatnot, yes. and what they basically, their whole characterization through, um, you know, without using sound, through their acting. I don't know if it was a scene in Dracula or one of these gothic vampire movies. Um, the facial expression, like, it, you have to give these guys credit, because starting out, like Kyle mentioned, no uh, no sound, so can't. there's no dialogue. So, essentially, these people are acting to the, full, to the fullest. Yes. Using their abilities to the to the Probably uh, acting better than any yes. actor that acts today. So if you look at their <laughs> facial expressions, all in the eyes, like you know they're scared because of their facial expressions, the way they move, um, the correct, you know, some uh, some of these horror movies back in the nineteenth, twentieth century, you know, that include like Frankenstein. Um, well, that would be twentieth century, well, yeah, for Frankenstein. Yeah, so early like ones were, were mainly vampire, the whole castle. Uh, well, yeah, well, no, well, going way back, it was just a couple like random short films that this guy had made with like moving shadows and stuff like that. Was he French, European? I don't know. His name is George Millais. Millais. I'd yeah, because I took sorry a f- if I'm butchering his last name, but I took a film and video course in college, but I can't. He, he started in like me. the 1890s uh, and 19 early 1900s when he was making short, very short films. That he had like a series of short films and stuff like that, and he was like the first guy known to do horror. Um. My professor in college was very tough, by the way, for that class. It was an elective, and I ended up getting, like, some stupid grade, like, he gave me a C-plus or a B-minus, but I felt like I was acing every paper. He was very critical on how you would write about film. Like, I, yeah. I was no problem. Um, I was a freshman in college. I had no problem raising my hand and contributing to the discussion because I'm obviously interested in that type of stuff. Yep. But the way he critiqued our papers was tough. Like, it's a freaking elective, buddy. It's a gen ed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was good. He was good. He was good. Yeah, they just they just like to make sure that you're talking enough because they don't want you to bullshit your way through it or whatever, probably. Right. So we talked about, in, well, in my class, I remember um, he showed us these skits. Did he go way Dracula. back to, like, before there was sound still, or did he just start with where there was, like, sound in the black and white? He started where there was no sound, it was black and white. So so with the skits that you were mentioning. So, like, like original Dracula? Yep. We by the, watched by Edison. Stu- uh, like, like there was, a, there was like regular Dracula. There's like an original Frankenstein. There was before the ones that everybody knows. He started with gothic horror, I believe. Okay, so then um, he didn't start till like the 1930s. 30s. Yeah, because the course wasn't just about horror. It was intro to film and video. Mm-hmm. So we also covered like camera angles, uh, cinematography. Um, I think yeah. that's the stuff that he wanted to hear in the papers. I did touch on it, but. So he, uh, he wanted honestly, you. To, he wanted you to break things down. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he that wanted, sounds like, like a typical film class. Yes. Break things. Break things down by camera angles, uh, pans. Um, it was very interesting. Um, honestly, if I had, it was my first semester in college. If I had, it's probably very tough to. I think Nelson has his degree in that. Uh. uh well, yeah. He, he has his degree in film. It is a it is a tough uh, subject to um, 
you have to be pay attention to detail like it's very involved yeah um, oh definitely very involved um but like some of the other first films that come out was like the 1920s there was frankenstein which is probably one of the most iconic you yeah know, we we saw skip, i don't know if we we used to watch he used to pretty much and i know it was a black a, and white silent film our professor original. used to pick movies that he thought were it's obviously his class he's a professor he, he's not going by you know a curriculum it's his freaking he's a professor he 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 has the freedom to use his opinion on what he, what he thought were the movies of the times the great movies that revolutionized uh film yeah so we started off by watching those skits then we watched some gothic horror uh we watched a little bit of dracula a little bit of we didn't watch like the whole thing um he loved invasion of the body snatchers we did watch that whole movie in yep. class um then he also loved uh, a couple other movies. Is it called Invasion like, of the Body Snatchers or just the Body Snatchers? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I believe it's. Uh, there's also a remake at some point. Yeah. But there was one movie that we watched. I'm going to have to look up because it's going to drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> but I think I missed that class. Uh, Citizen Kane. I missed it because he loved that. Our professor really wanted us to... We had pretty much... Uh, for the midterm, yeah, um, in the final, I believe we had uh, three because we didn't watch a movie every class. I, it was obviously twice a week, so I think we had a discussion and a lecture one, then the second class of the the second um, day of the week that we had class. Uh, we watched it was like a three hour class to whatever. Uh, we watched uh, we would watch a film that he thought was for the you know, right area of the, of the semester. Yeah. So towards the end, it was Citizen Kane. It was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, a couple other ones that he liked. So then we would pick our, based on those movies, we would pick a movie to write a paper on. But he would want, uh, he was he was definitely looking for us to break things down. I was a history major and I, I was good at writing papers, but I think I was talking too much about the movies, the, the ideologies in the movies. He wanted to okay. know, like film, like the break it down by... Uh, a wanted, film critic, yeah, a film critic, actual, a film critic. Yeah, you yeah. wanted you to yeah, yeah, break down like the like by shots and angles and how this director did that and right how so, they to make it the to make to, and all yes, that stuff. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. So um, going back, you know, that's that's how that's what you learn in college, though. You know, you find some an area that you're real good at and you like and you agree with a certain professor's viewpoint and you stick with that professor. Or something. Like, I had a history, to, I don't want to get too off track, but I had a history professor who I liked, and she had the same thought. Uh, I, I agreed with her ideologies about certain things, and I had, took her, like, three times, and I ended up getting B's and A's in all of her classes, and it was awesome. Hmm. So, uh, anyways, cool. so, uh, I don't remember too much about Invasion of Body Snatches. I just remember it being a very bizarre and strange movie. Um like as far as the synopsis, mm-hmm. um, getting ahead of us though. Oh, sorry. So, <laughs> um, so got to talk about things like uh, good old classics like the Phantom of the Opera. Ooh, that good, good, uh, good, good. Bring up Phantom yeah. of the Opera is in the nineteen twenties. I think it was like twenty two, twenty three, something oh, like that. I think my grandmother uh, liked that. She... Do you know the original was in black and white? The first film adaptation of it, black and white, no sound. No, I didn't. But that's <laughs> how do you do Phantom of the Opera without sound? Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's obviously, like we said, very talented, talented, uh, talented actors and mm-hmm. actresses who use facial expressions, movements. Um, they also have a natural. I believe these guys, these people are so talented, 
right back then well a lot of them used to do stage performances so right. they would right. be so, like you know they would be on broadway or whatever and then they would also do film so essentially these guys back in the these actors and back actors, in the early back in the what, what was early, it, 1920s? early tw- well this would be early yeah 1920s or early 20th century yeah so <clears throat> i can <clears throat> excuse me so back in the 20s the 20s were known to be the roaring 20s right you had you had uh you had um, Calvin Coolidge was the president. Uh, you had like Sean busting all, all the right, history. So, so you had like these. Dan- so I forget. I don't want to talk too much about wars and stuff, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. But you know, people wanted to be entertained, and in that time, you would go to an opera house. You would go to uh, uh, not a club, but you would go to like yeah. Essentially, back then, you would go and oh, have fun. You yeah. go out. You would go out, and and people, you know, the Economy was great. Okay, this was before the stock market crash of uh, 1930. Was this right? this wasn't when alcohol was banned, right? In the 1920s, that was during... prohibition. No, that was this ni- was... early 1900s, 1910. Okay. Yeah, it came back. It was already back by then. It was back by then. Yeah, oh, I forget okay, the okay. date. I think it was like 1910, 12, oh, okay, 1912. Okay. I thought for some reason I was thinking it was around like the 20s for some reason. So the whole model was keep it cool with Coolidge. So everyone, the American people were happy. Um, there was nothing really, you know, obviously you don't, no one remembers Coolidge because the country was under control. You don't, you remember a president for something happening like a crisis or a war or like Vietnam or, yeah, you know, so keep it cool with Coolidge. People were dancing like the Charleston and like, like in the clubs having fun swing dancing. And so you, they, my point is people wanted to be entertained. So, like Kyle mentioned, you would go to an opera house and you would be, you would look, look at these, uh, watch the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in actresses and actors back then didn't get paid that much, no. right? So, Absolutely pretty much, not. you have people who are very talented, mm-hmm. who might have been people in film in general didn't get paid very much till I think like the fifties or sixties, probably. Right. So. You have to give them a lot of credit. I mean, they didn't, they never back for their time. I mean, they never got the credit they deserved. They and honestly, wealthy and middle class people probably frowned upon. Oh, you can't. Back then, it was very traditional. Um, you know, say someone falls in love with a uh, actor or an actress. Oh, they might be frowned upon like a third class citizen. Like, oh, what do you want to get married to a act- actress for? Yeah. You know, they're kind of like dancers. Like, I don't know if it was frowned upon, but it was probably like a wealthy family would say, no, you're not getting married to, you're not going to go out with this girl. Yeah, yeah. And back then, you would, it was very traditional, right? So you would go out with the girl and you would get married. Like, if you started go seeing a girl, a woman, you would probably get married within like, you know, if you're, because if you're, mm-hmm. you should look at the lifespan of, a, of a, an American back then. Obviously, they, the medicine and the technology, um, in the medical field, you get a disease or, you, or, you know, Average lifespan was probably if you're in your tw- if you're 20 years old, you're probably married by then. If not, you know, yeah. you probably meet a woman. In your but again, I'm getting a little off track. But I'm trying to say like my my point is they didn't get phones enough, were they didn't, they barely didn't get, around then. Right, <laughs> they didn't get enough. I think credit. only wealthy people had phones at that time, so they didn't get enough <laughs> credit. So the fact that they used facial expressions, movement, and just were had the natural ability to entertain people. Incredible. Yeah. Without the technology. Until like the late 20s when sound started to get hit into the films. Right. Um, which the first horror movie to have sound was uh, the movie called The Terror, which I've never seen or even probably heard of. That well, wouldn't ring a bell to you at all? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> um, 
so my three were obviously Frankenstein, Dracula. I'm getting ahead of myself again, but those were like 19... Those were, That was in the 30s, yeah. If yeah. you're talking so about like gothic talking... horror, 30s and 40s was gothic era. Okay, so that was gothic. So, Which um, started with Dracula. So you had the whole... So now, now uh, if you, before I move on, did you want to mention anything else about the 20s? Because that's so incredible how... I'd like to focus on them a little more because I can't give them enough credit. Like, yeah. I don't know if people realize when you probably, unless you take a class in film and video, you're, I just know because I have a history degree, but uh, I don't know that much about it. But you've got to give these, because I just know the time, uh, what the American people were. I know, like, the basics. I don't know exactly what they were up to, but. Yeah, obviously you, the day-to-day -day life is what you don't really day, know. Right. So, kind of intrigued now to read up on it but <laughs> i like the 20s because i remember i took a class on the u.s pres uh american presidency mm -hmm. so we, it was a 300 it was a summer class which is awesome because they helped me get out of school in four years i took <laughs> credits in, in the summer and anyways it was a history class and what's good about the summer is summer class summer courses is a summer session is only they're only like three or four weeks long and <laughs> course is over so and it's a little more relaxed but anyways we took a uh the uh U.S. presidency, you know, we talked about Coolidge, and I think I did a presentation on him. Um, my my presentation wasn't as much on this topic, but... You know, it probably would have been how about how he just was as a president or whatever. The right? Roaring Twenties were... And, and well, I'm not going to... I'll mention one thing about history. A lot of people, a lot of historians will blame... Like, when you're a historian or you're a history teacher, you're making an argument. You're writing a paper to make an argument about something, and it's your opinion, but it's also factual because you're making an argument. This is what I have facts. I have facts to back it up. Yeah. So, like a research paper, I have facts to back it up. So, pretty much, people will will certain people lean towards the idea that Calvin Coolidge created. Uh, the downfall, like, like you know, what I'm trying to say, he pretty much um, with the stock market crash. They blame, they blame partially his presidency, which you can't really predict something like that. Like, I think he was a great president. I mean, a lot of people say, well, he, you know, he's the one who. Let's blame it on him. Yeah. Um. It was FDR that came in after, but you know, certain areas of history you can argue with with somebody, and I'm sure their points are valid, but. For the most part, in uh, pertaining to this podcast, Calvin Coolidge was a good president, and you know, not much happened for a reason. Like people were having fun, um, you know, that was the that was the average life, and uh, in, in, you know, average quality of life was let's be entertained, let's go out, let's have fun, um, go swing dancing, let's have some drinks with our buddies, and just yeah, it was very. I can picture it like very fast pace. Mm -hmm. Like very fast paced, like you know. Um, but at the same time, class, classy, and in, uh, the parents are probably uh, very respectable, classy. Like um, you know, and but they still like to have fun. Like I think yeah. everybody was having fun. Everybody was having fun, but <laughs> you know, it's a Roaring Twenties. That's why it was called the Roaring Twenties. Nineteen Twenties um, was a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, then that being things said, that being said, I'll, when it hit to the 1930s. Yeah, so this, that's when the stock market tanked, and I guess you can blame. I mean, honestly, the economy's well when you're president, like like Calvin Coolidge. 
I like how this has yeah. turned into a just American history so, podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's discussion. Um, that's why I, I like history, and I got a. Uh, uh, but anyways, um, I always, I can't stress it enough, guys. Cannot give these actors and actresses actresses back then for the skits of horror or the skits in the operas and the stage performances without sound. Never, they never got the credit that they deserved. Um, which I like how it, we'll talk more about this later, but in our end discussion, I liked how it evolved into something bigger. And now actors and actresses with the technology get paid, get well paid. They're yeah. well, they're well paid and they're well off, and which they deserve. They're talented. They are talented individuals. Well, that... a lot of money gets pumped into these dang movies, so yeah, <laughs> obviously it's it makes sense. Um, but yeah, like the 1930s though, we'll jump back to that. Um, <laughs> back to where the gothic horror <laughs> came to exist because of uh, <clears throat> movies like Dracula coming out, which uh, is very very gothic, you know. <laughs> so that being said about Dracula, um, I just remember like castles. You had a very dark, eerie something that something that scares the hell out of you, like. So this yeah, it was more time, about like, settings yes, so than it was exactly. about the actual acting. Because so the acting the setting, itself wasn't scary, right. really. The appearance, the setting, the costume, mm-hmm. um, makeup. You have these damn long black nails that can just rip your skin apart. Like mm-hmm. uh, the teeth. And um, visual effects. Visual effects. Like like, some, like, like the American the people. the wolfman changing. Right. So the American people. So... The American people wanted to, for the first time, maybe, right? They want to be scared. They, the notion of being scared. Yeah. I like being scared. Okay, so the, so now the market for horror movies has is evolving. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, these would be the classics from, you know, these are, these are considered the most classics of horror because they're the most iconic when it comes to being, you know, mm. recognized. So... That whole castle setting, Kyle hit it right, right on the dot, right on the dot. You know, the castle setting, dark, eerie uh, mountain, uh, a castle in the dark. It was always and at night. Mad it was always, scientists. Always at night. A mad scientist, like like uh, gothic, like you're talking Frankenstein, you're talking Dracula. Um, Fact. Uh, a question for you: Who is Frankenstein? You got me, buddy. Do you know? You don't know who Frankenstein uh, is. I don't know too much about Frankenstein. So I, Frankenstein I, is the doctor. Yes, okay. yes. The monster is just called Frankenstein's monster. But Frankenstein then they changed the doctor, it to yes. become Frankenstein later on because uh, when they made like the Bride of Frankenstein and things right. like that. They were kind of using humor. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah humor. that's when they turned into more of a humor. And I mean, I've seen like, I've, I've seen the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I've never seen the original Frankenstein, but I've seen versions of Frankenstein. Um, it's just interesting... To know that, like, so many people th- associate, you know, the big zombie monster thing with the bolts in his neck as Frankenstein, but his name isn't Frankenstein. It's just the monster. Which is interesting. Right, the monster, right, but it's Frankenstein. And the monster isn't even the monster. really even the monster. It's the people in the movie that are the monsters. Because right. they fear what they don't know. And a, the monster a... wasn't anything bad. Which is always... That, it's, it's such an interesting movie to me. So, okay, so <laughs> that being said, great point, great... Great call out, great point. So, I'd like to elaborate on that. So, 
this so the like I said, the foundation for horror movies has is as evo- has evolved. It's there. Yeah. Now you have a you have a set scary setting, you have a scary um it also it has to do with psychological um mindsets. So these people are the monster, right? That's a valid argument. Yeah. So that being said, you just made a great point. It's a psychological mind fuck, if you will. Yeah. Right? So that's awesome how in the nineteen twenties and nineteen well, nineteen thirties. Yes. Yeah, nineteen thirties. Nineteen thirties were there. Horror has evolved. Nineteen thirties uh some nineteen forties also, like if you include Wolfman. Wolfman came in the nineteen yeah. forties. But uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was nineteen thirties also. Also a very iconic, you know, story. Um, you know what was the most interesting thing about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from the nineteen thirties? Uh, how they did the transition. They just mm. changed... What they did was they put different filters on the camera lens, and then they had the actors swap when the when they changed the filters out. Wow. To give it that cool effect of him transforming from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Okay, Hyde. so that being said, another great point. Directors are using... Interesting uh, techniques. Yes, in their techniques and style. Yes. To the to, So now, not only are they marketing... Uh, the, the, Hara has a market, okay? And and this came from Europe, I believe, if I can recall from the class I took. It came from Europe, or it came from like the gothicness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gothic. Was it came from Europe, very um, European at yeah. first. So now American, uh, yeah, America entrepreneurs and directors, because they obviously didn't have these huge. huge... I think Dracula is actually European, right? To believe. So America. Well, it so takes now... place in Transylvania, so I guess yeah, that makes sense. So now <laughs> you know there's a fan base. You know, pe- they know people want to be scared. There's a market for horror, so you have American directors yep. who are intrigued, but there's no, um, there's not enough. They're unsure, so obviously these people would have to be wealthy um, Americans, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, someone who has passion, who's born with money, uh, not born, but kind of like with from a wealthy family, they could. Be well, entre- yeah, or different. These were just so different. Un- right. Also, production companies like they were um, production companies back then. Yeah, yeah, like like um, um, God damn it, drawing blanks on names of companies. Um, my God, who is one of the biggest? Universal started off back then, right? With like when they came out with Dracula and all those, they they were already around for a bit, right? So now they because Universal you, you was have, behind all the classic. So now authors. you have these American. So there we go. So there we go. So now I'm now I'm going to go back to history for I'm not going to bore you guys, but now you have uh um American uh the American dream. You have a company. It's it um um and there and now you have a company. You have uh the economy booming with this type of uh, people who there's a, there's a market and there's a business that and there's money to be made, right? Yep. The American dream. Um now you have the American American people we can do this, like so. Then I don't want to jump ahead, but now we have uh, down the road. You'll have Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You um, love to get back to that one. Yeah, you love that movie, don't you? Well, I haven't seen it in a while, but I did like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did like it. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about that when we get there. But <laughs> anyways, there's a market, and now you, I love to see the American, uh, the American dream. Uh, Got to give these guys credit for these companies starting out. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. These production companies. So what else? It was it was. Universal. I don't. When did Paramount uh, 
Evolve. Um, I'm not quite sure. I didn't see Paramount when I was looking through. Yeah, it's probably um, later. Um, so I'm not. So quite very sure ca- capitalist. Yeah. So very capitalist society, the country that we live in, in uh, back then and now, it's capitalism. It's it's money. There's money to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, the American dream is there. So now there's horror in the in America in the United States. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there was horror in the United States before, but it wasn't, you know, anything crazy. This is, like, the first time that horror was, like, kind of creepy, in a sense. Right. Um, so. Uh, but then horror started moving into, well, basically you can deem a bunch of B-movies in the 50s when it switched from, like, the gothic tile to a contemporary type mm-hmm. of horror, which involved, like, you know, they they feared alien invasions big time around then. Um, right. So, what year was that, Kyle? Uh, this would be in the 1950s. Right. Um, so, okay. I don't have too many notable okay. movies to say because there's just so many B movies that came out around that time. But it's a lot of like alien things, people turning and mutating, um, natural disaster movies were starting to come out then, like uh, things like that. Um, in, one uh, of the biggest yeah. ones, though, I do want to mention, you know, yep. is because 1950s is, you know, during during after a war and all that stuff, um, one of the biggest things to come out, which didn't come to America right away, but is well known now, a little film called Godzilla, <laughs> which is all about nuclear right. warfare and the fallout from it and mutating from nuclear warfare because that's what Godzilla is. He's a creature. So keep in mind, mutated. this is uh, this is post World War Two. Yes, so, this is post World War Two. So. Okay, so so things were changed to be more of a fear that times fear the things of times that could happen to you any day, right? Possibly type thing. Uh, imperialism. Um, uh, and House of Wax actually was yeah. in the fifties. The original House of Wax. Wow, crazy. And um, then one of the most other ones is you know the Incredible Shrinking Man, which is all about you know, um. It's all about like a fallout from from war and all that stuff, and being having to basically be isolated from other people and things like that. Which, oh, it's crazy! Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. So, nineteen fifties, you have this uh, mindset, okay? Natural. So they're taking it to a different level. They're taking they they're going down. They're taking it to another avenue. They're going down a different road, which is awesome. Yeah, natural disasters, UFOs. Um, there was there was stuff behind the curtain as far as government operations. Um, the media was not, you know, not fully evolved in, to that degree. Like you had newspapers, um, TV in the fifties was just evolving. Um, yeah, like the, it was starting the, to begin put into the, people's was, houses and stuff like right, that. Right. So then you had the people sitting around the. Well, first of all, in the and obviously you had FDRs. Fireside chats, so you had radio. Um, yeah, which um, um, one of the most iconic uh, things that happened on radio was the um, they used to do like the radio plays. Yep. So before people had TVs in their houses, because they used to always have to go to film to go to a film house, basically place, and watch all these different films. You you never watched it in your home on a TV like you can today. Um, what they in used the 40s, to do 40s, is on yeah. Um, yeah, like anywhere before like 1950s, roughly. Um, what they used to do was people would listen to the radio and they would do radio play things and they would do different types of different things during the day, um, where you would hear different like 
radio stories and things like that. And one of them was uh, War of the Worlds. Right. Which people thought was an actual alien invasion because some people missed the beginning part. So they were hearing it and they're playing it like it's a news thing with the aliens attacking, you know, the city and whatnot. And people were believing it because, well, there's no internet, so you can't check. And there's just a radio and it freaked them out. Right. So that's awesome. That's an awesome point. So that that blew. I remember that that blew our mind. That blew everyone's mind. Um, it didn't blow my mind. I wasn't around then. It may have blown yours, but not mine. <laughs> it's crazy. They, so they did believe it, and they thought there was an actual invasion. Yeah, because in that time, you know, it was it was very thought plausible at any time they could be attacked by aliens and stuff like that. Because that's when those types of movies were coming out. Also, so War of the Worlds. The, what do you think of the remake with Tom Cruise that came out right? <laughs> It's not that great of a movie. It's not a good movie. Uh, uh, so, all right. So, great bring up about the radios. Um, what that that pertains to horror. I mean, so now, you know, okay. Back back to what I was trying to say about the whole um, mindset of the country when um, the horror. So, on the the TVs were evolving. Yep. Um, people, the media was not full like like radio had radio and newspaper. So, the government there was, you know, always stuff behind the scenes. Like, Area Fifty One was probably what, what's the government doing? Like, pe- obviously, you know, college kids and you know, in the fifties, like Eisenhower was the president. But drugs you know, were very big around that time. So, yeah. Well, not the <laughs> not as bad as the Hitler not as bad. Yeah, yeah but yeah. they were starting to get pretty. Yeah, big. so Eisenhower is the president. You there was a lot Q- more drugs that were also legal. You have a Q tip. You have a Q tip president, if you will, great president, a war veteran, a war hero. Um, you know, the baby boomers are starting to yeah. So the, you know, but you know, you have these kids growing up. The parents are old school, very you know, traditional. You know, Eisenhower is our president. He's our war hero. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, you know. What happens? What, what, people are probably raising questions about what's the government doing about, you know, college students sitting around talking, either doing drugs or drinking and sitting around spitballing about UFOs and what's going on in Area Fifty One. What's the government doing with this? What's we're nervous about overseas? You know, uh, your uh, Asians like from mm-hmm. World War Two. Um, what's going on back there? What's what's you know all these questions? Yeah, a lot of a lot of propaganda stuff. Propaganda, too. correct? So. That made it scary. So it's so then the production companies and directors cashed in on, you know, invasion invasion with the body snatchers was one of them. Like that was the fifties. I didn't see that one. I, I think it was fifties. The, the original. It might. I might have seen it. Might not have. I don't know. There wasn't too many movies that they actually noted in my research on it. It was just a bunch of like. I'm gonna look it up right now. It was now. just saying how big that time was. Uh, like the Incredible Shrinking Man. Uh, oh, stuff like conveying just atomic war oh, really? and things Jeez, like that. 56 was the first one. Okay, so it was like... Black late... and white. Okay. You had sound. Um, uh, essentially, I... I yeah, honestly, color didn't start to like the late 60s, uh, early 70s. I can't, I can't elaborate too much on that movie. I just remember it <clears throat> um, from the class, and it was chaos. It was a supernatural, uh, fictional UFO type of movie... You had people who you had a quiet suburban American town in the 
in the 50s, right? You had a downtown area, and I just remember it, there was an event that happened, whether it's supernatural or fi- obviously it's fiction, supernatural, UFO type of science fiction. The people are cloned, um, zombies, kind of, um, by a by a. Like I said, I can't remember the whole synopsis of the movie because it's been so long. But I just remember that scene in the downtown area in the fifties, a uh, perfect suburban American town in the fifties, mm-hmm. um, and people are trying to get away and escape from the Everybody body, the body their snatchers, Ford cars, yeah. and right. So the the body the body snatchers they're trying to escape. You know they're they're attacked. Yeah. They're slowly attacking. Kind of that uh, Night of the Living Dead type of slow zombie type. Oh, they their bodies of snatchers are coming in to get you. Like we need to get away. And they're fighting to get away from the damn whole population that's coming after, like, the core group of survivors who are trying to still... They're still alive. They're not, yeah. They're not snatched yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And their body hasn't been snatched yet. <laughs> so, <clears throat> great movie. Uh, 1956, it came out. Uh, great cinematography. Like, that's, that's the reason why our professor wanted us to watch the whole movie, because he, that's his style. My, my professor was... That's that's a film class for you. Uh, the... The camera angles, the pans, the the cuts, the mm-hmm. um, cinematography was awesome. Yeah, um, the acting was good too for a horror movie back then. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I never seen it, so we'll have to watch the uh, at some point. I mean, but uh, any last thoughts on the fifties? No, so, thank God for the interstate highway system. <laughs> no, that's that's about it. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, that's all I've got for uh, for the 50s. We're going to take our uh, nice little short break. Yep. We'll come so back. Stay, yep, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back with... Uh, we'll, we'll be starting with uh, one of the most famous <laughs> of them all. Leave you guys to think about who that is for the next minute or two. And we will see you when we're back from the break. See ya. Hey there, everybody. This is Kyle. I'm just going to interrupt the podcast for a moment here. And I uh, just want to plug something... Over the next few months, we will be using a survey to get to know you guys, the listeners, you delightfully insanes, a little bit better. Um, the surveys that you can take, uh, you only have to take one of them. One of them is a normal survey where it takes like five minutes, and the other one's like probably like two or three. Anyway, um, to find those surveys, uh, all you have to do is go to soundcloud.com forward slash K2Z films or... If you're on YouTube, you can go right down to the description down below, and it should be in there for you guys as well. Anyway, um, please enjoy the rest of this podcast. Welcome back. Yeah, we are We are back. I just cracked a fresh uh, harpoon fresh tracks. Really good. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> just a fan of that beer. Really good. I'm a beer snob now. I enjoy my two beers and relax and yeah. go to bed. <laughs> what year was uh what year were they founded in? Nineteen eighty six. Eighty six. From... I was really hoping you were gonna say the sixties. So we could have <laughs> segued into that, but I guess not. <laughs> well we're into the sixties. I hope you guys are having a good time because we certainly are. Uh we're yep. gonna talk about some nineteen sixties horror. Do you want to start with the uh, grandfather of slashers? Yeah, we'll start with. Uh, I don't forget his name. He's not this guy. Really, really isn't well known <laughs> at all. Well, I would say the grandfather was probably one of the most well known. Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, you know, 
You may you may have heard his name once or twice before. We'll start with Hitchcock. Um, I mean, he technically isn't the first guy to do, I guess, like type of that. slasher, but he mastered. But it. he was, yeah, he was the guy who basically made that whole genre. Like, so a thing. if you like, he did a phenomenal job. Um, the first one to actually nail it right, the suspense factor of it. So the fact that he used didn't use it was black and white. Like Psycho wasn't black and white in nineteen sixty. Yes, originally. He did do the remake in color, but it right. wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. So you didn't have any gore, you didn't have any blood. There might have been a little blood because I think there was one scene in the shower scene you see it going down the drain. Yeah. But in in that movie there wasn't and it wasn't gore and blood and stuff like that it wasn't big before that too much. There was a I think there was a like I think it was called the Curse of Frankenstein or something like that that was in like fifty seven that I was looking up a minute ago that right. if it was the first one to feature gore like right. there was like intestines and stuff being ripped out of somebody or something like that but it wasn't like big until after Hitchcock so by far one of my favorite uh, filmmakers directors. Um, because he pretty much did everything right, produced it, uh, yeah, directed he's, it. He's got an, his own effect named after he's him. He's got his name on the title, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock's. Well, yeah, he's got those, he's got but he's also name, got his right. own effect, the Hitchcock effect. Right. Which is one of my favorite effects. I love that way of doing that. I'll it's be honest so with cool. you. I don't know exactly uh, if you drag my memory on that. So you don't know what the Hitchcock effect is? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, in any movie where all of a sudden you see an object getting further away or closer and then the scenery behind them is getting further away type idea. Yep, so it's a, um, it's a zoom uh, long shot or... Yeah, basically. So basically what it is is just focusing on a single object mm-hmm. and then changing the zoom but keeping the focus on that main object to give it the effect of things elongating away from each other. Um, I like in f- Halloween when he's watching them from the shrubs, from the bush. Mm, no, more. They usually do this in hallways and stuff like that. Okay. I'm pretty sure they did it in. Um, God, my brain is shutting down on names of things. Why, Jack Nicholson, biggest movie? Oh, uh, Shining. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. The Shining. You're I'm pretty sure The Shining. I'm not a huge oh, yeah, fan of Shining. I know. Uh, I'll I have to watch it again now that I'm older and maybe I understand we'll watch it better. That. Yeah, we can watch that. But later. um, in The Shining, I'm pretty sure they've done that. They did that effect at least once or twice, mm-hmm. where you you see the object and then the, the the hallway kind of either gets further away from them or something like that, but they're not really moving. Right. That's the Hitchcock effect. It's it's, it's hard to explain it yeah, unless you see it. Yeah, if, if you want to get a better idea, just Google the Hitchcock effect. It's it's super simple to right. It, the That's concept awesome. behind it is simple, but it's it's such a cool. It's one of my favorite effects ever done in any films. That's an awesome. Whenever they uh, do that effect, that's an I, awesome I, effect. I love it. It's so cool. It's so simple to do too. <laughs> Anybody can do it with a camera. So I'll start with Psycho. Okay, um, obviously the well-known Psycho. So. You have Janet Lee, which is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, right? Yep. Who played the main role. Um, so for that time, now we'll, we'll, we'll keep the trend going about the time. It's the sixty. It's nineteen sixty. Okay. <laughs> yes. Very very traditional uh, mindset. Uh, respect for your elders. Um, you know, t- these type of risque like uh, sex scenes, like in Halloween and in 
sex scenes and, and nudity was came later. This was not so the opening scene. They're having a little affair in the hotel room, um, you know, and there's risque, you know, references. He had the balls to actually put that on film, one of the first ones, okay? Now you have that opening scene. They're they're obviously on a lunch break or something, and they, they're in a hotel room, okay? You see, like, a little, you know, risque scene. And then, then it jumps into, you know, she's obviously running from somebody. She comes across money, and then she's at the hotel trying to cover up. You know, she buys a car. She's actually rushing the salesman to buy a car. Um, she gets pulled over by the police officer who has those thick aviator sunglasses. And I love that shot. Sean when he, loves aviators. And he's just looking at, at her <laughs> in the car like, is there something wrong, miss? You could tell the cop knows, has that gut feeling like a cop should. There's something wrong, miss? Like, he knows there's something wrong. Yeah. She's sleeping in a, it's This is a 30-year-old, thirty early 30s, maybe mid-30s. Young lady who's sleeping in a car on the side. Like, it's the 60s. It's the 50s. That really didn't happen. You usually had your husband or your family with you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he knows and she was wrong. all alone. He knows something's mm-hmm. wrong. But um, that's just foreshadowing that the fact that something's going to happen to her. Yeah. Even the cop knows something's wrong. The salesman at the car dealership knows something's wrong. He's His famous line... Miss, this is the first time that a customer has actually rushed me to sell to get the sale to sell the car because she's throwing practically throwing money at him. I'll take that one. She's yeah. throwing money at him to get him. You know, where, where, where do I have to sign? Here's the money. Let's go. Let's go. Hurry up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, don't want to get too much into the synopsis because I have a lot to talk about as far as. Um, yeah, we don't need to break down so the whole you, film. You all know, <laughs> you know. Everybody knows at least the most iconic scene. You know. The shower right. scene. The scene that made people afraid of taking showers for at least a week after seeing that movie. <laughs> right. Probably awesome. probably the one of the stinkiest American times. So that right. So that <laughs> that just goes to show you it was a good horror movie because people were afraid after to take a shower. I've seen movies that make me afraid to go to sleep or if I'm in the shower, honestly I think of uh I might think of like something stupid like that. I'm not scared in the shower, but if I, you know, you're you're any, afraid that uh, Jason will come in though. And yeah, I hate shower. that scene from part four. He takes the guy's nose and yeah, like, that's oh. a that's a yeah, referring yeah, to. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I do. I've thought about that before. When, like once. not to jump ahead of our, but, our um, thing. <clears throat> anyways, Alfred Hitchcock mastered it. The cinematography, the music to create to create the to create that feeling of setting. suspense and yes the music um you knew something was wrong when she was in the car uh driving to the hotel um driving away from the cop um he yeah he was really good with the subtleties yes so this is before anything feel happened. uneasy so the this entire is before time. this is before anyone has a knife or a wig or like some maniac with a knife and a wig that's before any of that no mind you this is also before <laughs> people knew how to do horror really well <laughs> so the music the whole um, setting. So, you, okay, here we go. This is the formula right here. He nailed it for a slasher. Yep. You have the music. You have the suspense building up. Nothing's happened. You're 30 minutes into the movie. 40 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes into the movie. It happened. Yeah. Um, then something happens. Uh, it builds, it builds, it builds. Perfect. Just like John Carpenter. Um, perfect. Um, you have a maniac um, psychological... Mind is crazy. They have a mental illness. Um, they're schizo, whatever the hell. They're serial killers. Um, you know, and they're also taken away from. Um, they're taken away from human um, uh, interactions. Like um, 
from human life. Like they're at a secluded hotel. That's creepy. You're yeah. away from people. You would never think that something would happen, but it did because obviously the hotel manager is a nutcase. Yeah, um, uh, Norman Bates. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, the hotel manager is a nutcase. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, not to spoil okay. too much and if it, you haven't seen in, this movie. It's in the middle of nowhere. Like, she's sleeping on the highway. So, you know, the whole point is she's driving away from uh, the, the, the rural area. She's in, in the uh, – sorry, she's driving away from the urban area. Yeah. She's in the rural area now, wherever she is, whatever state she's in. I think it I think it might be in the Arizona or um, – I don't know if they actually name where it's from. Mm-hmm. But she's driving in uh, – you know, because I thought I saw mountains in the background where the cop is trying to talk to her in the car, uh, when he has her roll down the window. Yeah. Um, like very flat, flat land. So, you know, that being said, um, the setting, the suspense, the actual kills, um, l- yeah. little to no gore. Um, unbelievable job. Yeah, they, um, they used uh, chocolate syrup yep. for the so blood. This is still considered a slasher today. Um, the psychological aspect. So you have, like, you have a private investigator who, obviously, they hired them back then. I don't know why you wouldn't just have a regular cop or somebody come to the hotel because, because PI is way cooler. It is cool, but um, I think it was a PI because Alfred Hitchcock didn't want. So he didn't want people to get reassured that everything's going to be okay. If you see two cruises pull up, you're, oh, the cops are here. This is going to end well. Yeah. You have a PI come, a guy who's just trying to figure things out. It is cool. He shows up. He gets killed. He rolls down the stairs. That famous scene when he rolls down the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he shows up. He starts snooping around. What I would have done is called the freaking local police for, for before I go into that house. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on. He was just trying to find out what happened to her, right? Yep. So, as far she as they knew, she just disappeared. They didn't know that she was dead yet, so. Right. So, uh, and then you have the, uh, whatever the heck he is, um, the guy, her, the the boyfriend, right? Or, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, he shows up at the end with the, they go to the sheriff and end up, after everything, he rescues her. He comes in at the very end when he's in the, when Norman Bates is in the basement trying to put on his little, Risk a little uh, outfit there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus, crazy! And then, um, you have a, do- a psychiatrist and a, and a sheriff and a cop, and they're all in a room talking about the mind and and what happened in schizo and and yeah. exactly what's going on. And it's crazy because you see him just sitting there in the cell after, and he's just looking into the, into nothing. That's the most very disturbing. Yeah, to just see that somebody who's in that state of mind. Disconnected from reality, like pure evil. <laughs> but um, you know, he's sitting there, just you know. Back then, that was freaking creepy as hell, because you know, um, you know, that's the last thing I'll, I'll kind of wind down with Psycho. But um, you know, phenomenal job. Uh, then you had the birds and rear window. Uh, were those also like in the sixties, or were those later? I on? believe so. Yeah, they might have been seventies, but sixties were made because. We can look it up, but uh, because so uh, birds was the fir- birds and rear window were in color. I think yeah. birds might have been his first movie in co- in Technicolor, whatever you call it, Techno. Te- yeah, te- Technicolor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is still uh, used today. 
and credited at the end of like almost every film. I don't remember the birds that much. I just remember I did it's watch a bunch it. of. It's just a bunch of natural ass things going around, fucking killing people. All these birds just go. crazy. I just remember the graphic scene where um, you see the shot of uh, the eyes piped. Uh, uh, yeah, being pecked out or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you have people, and I think it would took actually the birds took place down the Cape, I believe, down Mass, right in Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket. But uh, you had like an island setting, a small community. The people are in the local, the local diner or whatever, and yeah. this is an event happening. The birds are actually attacking the windows, and they're all like huddled together, like, "Oh, what do we do?" Mm-hmm. Um, very great, good movie, uh, great movie. Um, um, you know, there was another director in the '60s that I think you enjoyed a lot. He recently passed away. Do you oh, know geez. what I'm talking about? No, George. Oh, jeez! Uh, wow. Can't believe I forgot about him. So yeah, you had Night of the Living Dead that came out in what year? Sixty-eight, I believe. Before we jump to him, I wanted to say Rear Window was also another great colored movie. Yeah, by Night of the Living Dead was nineteen sixty-eight. So before we jump to that, I just want to mention uh, definitely worth a me- worth me to definitely worth my time to actually stop and and revert back to this movie Rear Window. I watched that movie. I loved it. Um, pretty much, essentially, you're not going to talk too much about the synopsis. Um, He's injured. He's stuck at home, you know, and witnesses a crime, a murder. Um, and it it's probably takes place in in uh, the West Coast, um, you know, an apartment uh, urban area. You know, he sees a he sees a freaking witnesses a murder, and because um, he's bored, he's kind of has a binoculars. He's trying to pass the time back then, you know. Um, yeah. And he's trying to he the tent the, the again the suspense builds up because he knows the per, the murderer. Whoever committed that crime saw him, and and kind of know. And I think he's trying to get the. I forget. It's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah, I just remember that scene where he's looking around at the neighbors, and he's been doing this like he's like he knows what everyone's up to, and he hasn't. He's bored. Okay, uh, not that he's trying to be uh, peeping tom, but he's just he's bored. Yeah, out of his mind. He's just passing the time. Uh, very and the guy's like a down to earth guy like good actor but he's like supposed to be like a regular guy friendly you know <laughs> and he witnesses this horrible you know <laughs> thing yeah. yeah so it's crazy and he's injured so he's I, the tension just builds uh, another another per- perfect example of Hitchcock nailed it with the cinematography uh, a movie in my opinion came out good in, co- uh, in color um, and now we can move on to Unless you have anything to add about that, but we can move on to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, well, we can move on to Night of the Living Dead. Um, whew, wow, I can't believe uh, I was, you were like saving that. I, I <laughs> well, you might. I, I did a quick outline here. Yeah. In my notebook. So, um, did you did you know that Night of the Living Dead had a budget of a hundred and fourteen thousand dollars? Wow. And that was a lot of money back then. How much do you how much do you think it made back internationally? We'll go internationally. Like net. Net. Like how much do you think it made? Uh millions. Um give me give me a number. Seventeen million. Seventeen? Yeah. That's way too low. <laughs> thirty way too... million. I was kinda close though. Yeah, thirty million. Wow. Wow. You were you were a little over halfway there, but Yeah. Wow. Thirty million. <laughs> um you know, um, okay, so Romero, totally different style than very different style. <laughs> okay, you. This is a he nat- was more this, gore. This is gore. Okay, this is this is per- this is this is the flip side. Okay, we have gore. 
We have the setting, though. We have the setting, um, a, a rural area with a natural disaster, a zombie apocalypse. Um, you have strong characters in... Uh, it's crazy because not just the gore that he's known for, push, pushing people to their limits. They've never been in this type of situation before. Yeah. Okay, they're they're trying to survive. Survival, okay? Darwinism. They're, they're huddled together in a little farmhouse. Yeah, and it's hitting you against something that you never want to be fighting against other humans. And he also used an African-American lead. One of the leads was African-American, yeah. which I love. Uh, which I love. Um, African-American. He was very... He was... He's a genius. He's yep. another genius. Yep, so in that time, right? Another genius. An African-American lead who, obviously, civil rights in that time was a struggle. Um, this is... And in the movie... They're actually working together. Um, they're actually trying to... <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. put your differences aside to survive. And that guy was a badass. Um, that guy was a badass. Uh, you know, he's he was young because and strong. You're fighting for survival, racism shouldn't be a part of it. Exactly. <laughs> um, desperate measures. Um, you know, <clears throat> then you, you get the disagreements and all the shit that comes along with trying to survive with people you don't even know. Yep. Um, you know, the damn... Idiot guy there who's with his kids in the basement who disagrees with everything that the group is trying to decide. Uh, every decision they make, he always has to open his big mouth. There's always going to be somebody like that in in an event that you don't know. Like if if say like two groups of friends meet up in a field like today, if there was a natural event disaster, all right, we're trying to survive. Come with us. Do you trust each other? No. Just come with us. We're we're trying to survive. You don't trust the guy, but. Every time you try to contribute to survival, you have a guy open his mouth and try to cause a disagreement. I would have knocked him out already. Or I would have said, you know what? Screw you. I'm leaving you. Yeah. Go on your own. Mm-hmm. But they're stuck in a farmhouse together, so there's nowhere to go. Yeah, they have to work together. They have to work or together. Die. Right. So the guy's in the, in the basement with his family. I, I know he died but in the film, but crazy. Um, awesome. These are the ideologies behind survival. Zombies. A natural event. Disaster. Do you have a uh, zombie survival plan? You don't have to say yeah, it. Just, do you have one? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm everybody does. I'm torn between staying at my work, which is a, a dumb to stay there because uh, it's a it's a central location where everyone would probably try to get in. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that'd probably be pretty dumb. Yeah. Because uh, obviously. Uh, so anyways. Uh, yeah, locking your doors ain't going to stop anything. Yeah. They'll just drive a car through the door. Especially when they glass, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, uh Oh, so what else to say about Night of the Living Dead? Um, phenomenal. Anything you want to add that I didn't touch on? I, I mean, I touched um, on survival, and, and he did a great job with the cinematography as well. I'm not too familiar. I've only seen bits and pieces of like the Living Dead series stuff, so I don't know them very well. I just so, I've seen you know some scenes here and there of them. I'm sure you remember the opening scene when they're in the cemetery, right? And the brother yes, and sister that are going I do to know. visit. They're going to visit the mother's. And the brother's like a jackass, and he's like, oh, they're coming for you, Bob. He's trying to scare her. Yeah. And um, they're trying to go pay their respects. She wants to pay her respect, and the brother's being a jackass, asshole. Yeah. And, um, you know, he ends up dying. But that's a – that's a he's perfect at putting um, that on the screen. Like, like uh, this is my life. Like, I'm getting – I'm disagreeing with my brother. It's so sad. I'm going to try and pay – the mother – the family member probably just passed away. Yeah. Or recently. They're trying to go pay their respects. And the brother's being an asshole. So there we go. There's a situation where, but then he gets attacked. And she realizes, wow, my, they just got my brother. So now she just lost another family member. So yeah. she's, not only is she hysterical, 
but she's gonna she's gonna try and survive, so she has to pull it together. Yeah, right. Even though they were arguing, they're just bickering as siblings. They were bickering as siblings, like that friend, that family. But he was an asshole, though. But mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably didn't get along. And who he knows? didn't need, didn't mean need to. He deserved to die. Right. They were probably just trying to be. He was probably just. That's probably just his personality. He's a ball buster. He's yeah. A, you know, he probably pretty, that's yeah. how he probably deals with you know right coping with people have different ways of coping with certain um, scenarios and right. stuff like that yeah so oh believe me he was probably trying to save her but uh, he ended up getting mauled right he got cornered by yeah or something he might have been in the in the car uh, <laughs> because he didn't obviously you don't know when it's a zombie they're moving slow they're like moving slow you think you know you didn't no one knew what was going on going on back then like when yeah that happened, so yeah um perfect perfect. I love that movie. Um, <laughs> you know that uh, one last thing on the 1960s before we move on probably to the next era, which is probably at the start of where you're just going to be talking nonstop. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, do you know you know the term splatterhouse? No, you don't know the term splatterhouse. Okay, so splatterhouse is basically low, really low budget horror movies. Yeah, and um, that started in the 60s. Low budget. Yeah. Very low budget. Uh, short like horror film like things, just horror or whatever, right? Things like that, right? Cool. Just, just a little random fact I wanted that's to throw cool, out man. there. That's cool. <laughs> so I guess we'll move on to the seventies. I'm not gonna. I we do have more to cover, so I don't want to spend that much too time. much time on these. Right. Yeah. So um, the seventies, you have the slasher now. Um, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Exorcist. Um, and, yeah. So the which Texas isn't a Chainsaw slasher, Massacre but... was gore. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a gore slasher film. So okay, so for, again, I like to keep the which people the, thought was based on a true story, but it's based off of a character. Just to get Ed that Gein, out there, Ed Gein, Ed Gein, how do you pronounce the guy's name? Sorry, guys, I, my leg was asleep. So um, Texas Chainsaw, um, for its time, I like to keep reverting, reverting back to this, the time of the country back in the seventies. It's post Vietnam. Uh, actually, Vietnam was seventy two. So it might have been during sixty eight to seventy two, or probably during. So it was during. Toby Hooper directed it, um, or Hopper, or whatever, however you pronounce his last name. Um, oh, the start is crazy. Um, so that being said, we're in we're, America's struggling. People are dying overseas. Um, um, you have hippies. Um, anyways, that doesn't really pertain to the movie but it's just this movie was made during a rough it just pertains to, i love to compare movies to the time the state of the country the state the country was in um uh, very graphic movie okay very uh gory movie um uh, very disturbing um ideology behind it so you have a guy pretty much crazy nut job putting on uh human uh skin hacking people up obviously he's slow you know um, special needs, you know, the family's all cannibals. Uh, obviously, the freaking maniac is a special needs because um, they're probably inbreds or whatever uh, in, mm-hmm. a, in secluded Texas uh, town. But back then, you know, you have these young, pe- innocent people driving with their friends cross country or whatever in the 70s. Okay, they're probably college kids because they're not at war. Yeah. Um, they probably just graduated college back then because, you know, they were, dra- they were not drafted, obviously. No, um, we, or, yeah, I don't know if they were or not, or they were just going, you know, they're just having fun. Right. They don't really go about. That. They don't really. Right. Talk they don't. About that. There's no backstory for the. It's for, just they're they're just all of a sudden going on this trip, and I think they were going to visit um, a grave or something. Yeah, uh, but, but anyways, they're having, that, they are have trying to have fun to keep their morale up. I think because and think, so yeah, so their car breaks. They down. were in a van in in um, 
uh, no, they end up or stopping there. For they the end night up stopping at this weird town in the middle of nowhere. In in a, um, oh, yeah, the whole town. The whole in town on is, it, right? is weird. Yes, the whole town is or just weird. weird. Not it may not be in on it, but they're just weird. They're I don't. Very weird. I don't. It's been a while since I've seen uh, the whole Texas town. Chainsaw the, Massacre, the whole so. town is weird. Um, not to talk too much about the synopsis, but anyways, they get stuck in this weird Texas town. Rural in the middle of nowhere. They probably run out of gas, right? I think that's what happened. Yeah, um, so the car breaks down or something. Yep, something so, happens so, to the car. So then they go searching um, for help. So yep. the most logical thing to do, okay, you have you have a male and a female. Um, you know, you have athletic male. You know, with his with his girlfriend going. To, you know, you, you you think they're safe? They think they're safe, right? They're just strolling to find help. They're having fun. They have a blanket. They're probably doing stuff in the. <laughs> so but then they go find the farmhouse and and um, you know, and then. You know, they obviously turns out bad. Um, they yeah. come across uh, Leatherface. <laughs> yeah, they come across Leatherface. The chainsaw, uh, wheeling yeah, yeah. path. <laughs> so then you, they Who start wears getting people's skin. They get they get knocked off one by one. Okay, now this is what Toby Toby Ho- uh, Hooper um, did well with. He took innocent people and took them away from any adult supervision or help. Uh, there's no way to get help if your car's broken down. You tr- you have to go at that time. There's no cell phones. You have to get help. Let's go look for a house. Let's look, be- for, look for a house. Use a landline. Use a landline and get help. Um, you know that's the most logical thing to do. And uh, they end up um, stumbling across the crazy family of the cannibals. Um, yep. And so uh, one by one yeah. they get not. Oh, the damn noise! Like they're the very creepy. Uh, there's no like music. There was music, but it was very different style. It was. Very disturbing. Yeah, and it's like a whole family living there. Yeah, very disturbing. Crazy so, people. So then the guy get. Oh, I I remember that part. The girl goes in. Anyways, the girl goes in after. I think the guy goes in first or whatever. Uh, no, the girl goes in. She comes across the damn skull, the skulls, and um, the chickens are. They're obviously eating chickens. Like, mm-hmm. and the skulls are all over the living room. He opens up the damn door. Anyways, they they get knocked off one by one. I don't want to keep talking. Sorry about talking to the synopsis. Yeah, you guys we, have probably seen we've it. We've got so many movies to cover. For, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, 70s, so what so I'm so what I'm, this up what I'm trying to say one. is, people get knocked off one by one. You take them away from their natural. You know, it's crazy. It's it makes that's what makes it scary. Is they're trying to get help and, and it's not not going well. It's took a turn for the damn worst. Mm-hmm. Very drastic. Bad. Bad. Very bad. Very bad. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. The guy freaking finds his girlfriend, like, and he's so, like, couldn't, can't believe it. Like, uh, he ends up finding her on a hook or something, and then the damn guy comes out and hits him, like, a freaking, on the head with a hammer or something. Yeah. And, and he just, you can damn, you can see the body, like, twitching. And yeah, just there's stops. a lot of gore and all that. You can that see and... the body, like, twitching, because I think he hit him in the temple with a um, hammer or something. Yeah. And then he just starts freaking going to town. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's... I think none of them survive, right? Just the one girl. Did the one girl get yeah. away? Okay. At the end of the movie, there's a trucker who comes and she finally escaped from the... I thought the trucker was in on it. Nope. So anyways, oh. she finally escapes. I'll just tell you guys about the end and then we'll move on to a different movie. Um, she ends up escaping uh, from the house. They're all chasing her down the long ass the long ass driveway that's like... free, And she's freaking limping, right? She fell out a window or whatever. Um, and then there's a trucker coming, you know, down the back road, which is probably... Uh, you know, he stops and he sees the freaking maniac with the chainsaw, and he actually lets her helps her get in the truck, and they lock the door, and he's like going like this, like trying to like 
going against the metal door. Mm-hmm. Trying to chainsaw the car. The, the door, yeah. And then he ends up getting out the other side. She gets out the other side. I think he's trying to defend her, and then she jumps into a truck. I think. Then another, then another truck slows down. She jumps in the back of the truck, and he's chasing her. And when he real, and then, I don't know if the trucker survived or not. But anyways, um, she jumps into another truck, and you see him doing this like dance, like wielding his chainsaw because he knows that she's gone, and he's like frustrated, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he ends up like getting stabbed, stabbing himself, I think, with a chainsaw in his leg. Yeah. So he's limping a little bit, but the guy is freaking obviously, uh, retard strength, uh, if you will, like, oh, I not want to mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, you know, we have a few other movies. Yeah, Hills of Eyes. We don't have to talk too much about yeah, Hills of Eyes. Same, type of, same is, type of, uh, same type of suspense, um, which is uh, kind of like an atomic, uh, uh, disturbing uh, fall, fall off. Yeah, thing very disturbing people and whatnot. Yeah, I'm not going to talk. And they're cannibals, I believe, as well. I'm not a huge fan. Um, the remake features some pretty graphic things. I'm not a huge fan because it has to do with. Uh, I don't really like that graphic rape, like uh, taking women and, and uh, getting a hold of them, and there's no male to defend. Like, mm-hmm. it's disgusting. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's a very graphic. That's disgusting. Shocking um, film. There's no other friends to help out or anything yeah. like that. Um, then they just have they capture them, and just that's disgusting. And we also have um, like The Exorcist, um, which was a huge, you know, movie. Um. Obviously, we have Halloween, which I already talked about in other different. You guys know. Yeah, we've we've talked enough, I think, about Halloween yeah. in the past. Um, you have last um, house, you have last house on the left. Um, with other disturbing graphic movie. So then we have all these movie movies slashes in the set. We have these not a lot of them, but we have these movies that are very graphic. Okay, I think they were very graphic in the seventies. That resembles the time of the country, like I said, but um. Then you have these independent um, filmmakers like Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller and Steve Miner who are are just starting out for themselves and they want to main the, the horror is not their area of uh, expertise. They they want to <clears throat> I believe they wanted to make a uh, children's movie if I recall. Mm-hmm. That's that's that was that's his that was his his uh, long term goal. I want to make a, a sports children's movie, a fun movie for kids. Yeah. Um, so they made Friday the Thirteenth. They didn't think it would make. <laughs> in the meantime, let's make a quick movie. Well, Friday the Thirteenth that would be the eighties, right? Yeah, I'm kind of jumping to the jump into the eighties because I was going to say there's so, um, you know, Stephen King's Carrie. Oh, the start of Stephen King movies. Right. So you have that whole supernatural well, books being adapted into movies. Right. Which Carrie, uh, Carrie's a classic. I think, I, yeah, love, I think you also, oh, I love that, yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, I think you also had Cujo. Uh, Cujo, I think, was 79, maybe? Or, yeah, it was at 79 my, or 80. My dad watched that one. That's, I mean, Stephen King, he's another, he's another genius, at least with his writing. Some of the movie adaptations are crap. He's a genius. Oh. But his writing is very, uh, uh I very, read, very oh. detailed, very graphic. Oh. Um, um, he can make you scared by just reading something. <laughs> right. So you had Cujo. My dad uh, watched that with me when I was little, and uh, which is oh, all about a dog uh, going dog crazy, a foam rabid dog with with yeah. rabies. I think he had rabies, right? 
uh, something yeah, like that. Foaming at the mouth, yeah. And it was just a crazy, like, it was a kind of a smart dog, too, because it could, like... <laughs> that it, was a, uh... It was very smart in terms of, like, how to, like... That? Um, it was, like, a, like a shepherd or something. Shepherd no, dog type thing, no, that was wasn't a... it? Wait a it was, minute. It was, it was very shaggy, if I remember correctly. St. Bernard mix? I don't know. Freaking huge. Short hair. St. Bernard mix, I think. It was, disc- it was really... Sc- I don't know. Everyone was scared. Like, my girlfriend was used to be scared of dogs. Um, big dogs. Um, but obviously she likes them because she, they actually grew up with a little dog, but, um, anyways, uh, I got her into dogs, uh, but, um, <laughs> it, that, my point is, um, a lot of, everyone's scared of dogs at some point. Um, yeah. a lot of people, some people are scared of large guard, guard dogs, like Dobermans, Rottweilers. Um, you know, when they see a big dog in, in the neighborhood, like I, I used to have, my uncle was just, just didn't like them. Um, everyone has a phobia. Uh, my uncle and aunts were like that back when I was little. Like they, if my growing up, if they saw like if they were over for a birthday party or a family get together on on the weekend, there was a big dog in the neighborhood. I remember because we all went for a little walk after dinner. Yeah, they saw the big dog, and then they immediately tried to turn around and say, not like run, but they like let's go the other way. Yeah, <laughs> mid, mid <laughs> they're like let's go. Let's mid go the- dogs scary for to be some people more than they used to be for some people. So, um, <laughs> Cujo. Um, what other Stephen King? Uh, you had Salem's Lot. Yeah, I don't know when Salem's I Lot. I read Salem's Lot. Yeah, but I don't know when that came out. Um, 70s. The miniseries. Was it? Yep. Great movie. Um, I'll talk a little bit because I read the book. Um, the whole vampire... Um, these towns in Maine were like spot on with Stephen King. Everything is Maine with Stephen um, King. Stephen King loves Maine for some reason. <laughs> so... Um, so uh, yes, yeah, so you had Stephen King's Maine. Uh, he, you know, took people you know out of out of uh, urban areas. Um, you had this close knit community. Salem's Lot was the name of the town. Um, you have an adult. Usually, it had to do with like a writer coming back to his hometown, like mm-hmm. a like a writer. Yeah, and this was about um, what vampires? You said yes. So okay, I read the book. It was awesome. I also saw the two movies, but the book is awesome. Um, they just describe because he's coming back there. He doesn't want to come back there. You know how uh, you're either a townie or you're not. Okay, when you grow up, he left for a reason. He's describing the way Stephen King was describing the highways and his the car he was driving, and like you, you're in his mind. It's like you're in this guy's. Yeah, like with this guy because you're like it's crazy. It's just such a it, Stephen just King's, the, the amount of Stephen the attention King, the to detail. detail. Yes, the, the attention to detail and Stephen you're in King this guy's novels. you're like you're in this guy's life. Um, I, I'm currently listening to the audiobook of it, and the detail in that is astounding. So you're in this guy's life, and the way he describes the history he has with certain people he went to school with, they all go to the local bar and drink, and it's the '70s, and people are having fun. This was post Vietnam, definitely. Um, people are having fun again, and and uh, the damn sheriff—I forget his name—but um. There's like a constable. There's two cops in the town, and it's okay. the way he doesn't. The, this is what he does well to make you scared. He doesn't want you to know the details about the cops. He doesn't want you to know. Oh, I have faith in that cop. He's going to be able to save a few people. He might not save the whole town, but he might. He's going to put up a fight. That's not how Stephen King. He'll mention them, but they're in the back. They're in the behind the curtain. Okay, he he sets a scene where the cops are there. You know, there's cops. There's cops everywhere, but he's not going to focus on them. There's no. There's a little detail, but. Just enough to know that, okay, what's going to happen? You're, like, turning the page, like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah. Anyways, vampires take over, and 
they end up killing the uh, definitely go after. Um, but the cop was so badass. Like I love that. I love that when he's describing him. Uh, he was so badass. The constable because there's two of them. And back then, everyone no not, that profession really wasn't a big deal. They yeah. didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. No one really wanted it. So the guy, the the head, the head constable was like a badass. Such a badass, hard ass, a hard ass, because you had to be a hard ass. He, you know, they describe he is. He was in plain clothes. He had yeah. his, he had his gun. He had okay. his gun on his hip. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not that I'll go too much into that, but, <laughs> but the freaking, uh, but the other guy, the other cop was like, not you know, you didn't really have much faith in him, obviously. He's, yeah, you know, <laughs> but um, you know, so phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you want to mention anything else about the seventies. Um. Um, I mean, the seventies also was like the start or the reemerging of uh, like horror comedy stuff too. Mm-hmm. So you got like the 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 Rocky Horror Picture Show that came out in the seventies, yep. right? Uh, American Werewolf in London, which isn't really scary either. It's kind of a comedy, and uh, Young Frankenstein, things like that. I forgot to mention, uh, Wes Craven directed. Wes Craven uh, did Left House on the Left. He and he also did The Hills Have Eyes. So he's a name. He has a name now. Well, he had a name. He had a name then, yeah. 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 I mean, um, and then he directed one of my most favorite series. Nightmare or Elm. Start, created the, was the creator of one of my most favorite series, which is Nightmare on Elm Street. So Made we have me fucking talk. afraid to go to sleep. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about um, in the 80s. So I'm not going to mention you. I already elaborated on Friday 13th series. I will talk at the end in my discussion because uh, I want to have a little discussion with Kyle and I, and, and I want to. Yeah, Go back and forth about certain things, but anyways, the '80s you have so the slasher is there, right? There's yeah, a market, so you get the a market. '80s. So which also had Poltergeist in the '80s. Yes, which I love. Poltergeist, great movie. Yes, no gore, hardly any gore. Har- suspense. There is no no gore actually. It yeah. was it was like a almost like a PG movie basically. It's like a PG horror movie. <laughs> right, it's awesome. Um, they're here. They're here. <laughs> yeah, it's got one of the most iconic um, characters. I think that little girl like passed away or something like that right after that movie. So you have Friday Thirteenth, obviously. You have like Sean Cunningham. These um, they don't have to be big names. Um, and oh, okay. So the, let me just mention about Friday Thirteenth, the, the original. I'm not going to go into the series. You know, I'm not going to bore you guys. So Sean Cunningham, Victor Miller, Steve Miner. Okay, a small group had a, had a vision of a children's movie. They made a movie, a horror movie, to just pass the time and make a little money. Okay, that turned out to be. They cashed in because, they, but they didn't mean to. That's what I love. They didn't mean to. They were just good at what they did. Okay, that was one of the first. wasn't the first slasher, but it was the first like eighty slasher. Came out in nineteen eighty. So the fall. So nineteen seventy nine was production. Mm-hmm. All right. So it was in the fall, I believe. They were all cold. Whatever. Whatever. Long story short. Well, yeah, eighties is a huge boom in like horror. Boom slasher. Because they knew they saw because, you know. They're not idiots. These com- production companies and directors, they're like, wow, look at Friday the 13th. That movie made of a, off a budget of three, $300 million, I believe, or even less. It, uh, uh, it made... I have no idea. Yeah, 300000 300, sorry. 300000 Um, It made ended up making, like, you look it up on IMDb or a website online. It, it's crazy. Millions, millions, millions. People loved it. Everyone, it was... It, it was the time where landlines, you know, communication... Um, Oh, have you seen Go See Friday Thirteenth? And like, it was the first slasher, like gore, um, very disturbing at the end. It's kind of like a, obviously the mother's a nut job, like schizo, yeah. like talking in her head to her son, um, the drowned, killing people, and like, oh, go see that. 
I bet people leaving that theater were so like freaked out a little bit. Like, holy crap, that was crazy. Like, I, that I'm was sure very there were gory. a few kids that weren't allowed to go to camp, summer camps. <laughs> I'm sure there were kids that didn't want to go to summer camp because of that. Movie. I don't know if kids really were watching that. Right, me. right. I mean, you probably had the few that would sneak in. Like you had sleepaway camp and, and these campy camp yeah. movies that came after it. But anyways, long story short, we're, we're trying to say that started for guys that didn't do it on purpose. Then you have the 80s boom. You have people who say, wow, look at how much money that they want to cash in. They want some money. They want to cash in on the slasher. So they make these low-budget movies like Slumber Party Massacre. Um, you know, these ones that really just use the formula. Uh, but not well. It was the same thing over and over, which is very weird, very not really entertaining unless, you know, I watched a couple of them, like Slumber Party. Uh, it was like, really, the guy's like with a very, kind of very disturbing. He's like with a drill, whatever. But anyways, the same, these damn movies are booming. And uh, you have Hellraiser, you have, well, Leprechaun was like towards the late late 80s. Um, uh, you have um, Nightmare on Elm Street, so I know Kyle wants to jump into Wes Craven again. Phenomenal creates a new type of slasher. It's not a serial killer uh, in the woods. It's or or um um a ba- uh, uh stalking the teenagers from high, like Halloween, stalking the babysitters. No, uh, in a, in a it's, it's a it is a um, suburban town. Okay, and it's a slasher film, and it is. So he takes a few of the he takes a couple. Um, areas of the formula, and he and he elaborates he, on he, it. He he twists it into something new. It's a couple. Correct. He twists it into something new, which is which is what we love. We you know people probably loved it because it, it, it is innovating innovation on you know. So uh, obviously, uh, what what can we where can we start? It was just a great movie. So you have a different uh, obviously the synopsis. We're not going to talk about it. You've probably seen it. But it was just new. The fact that it was new, and it was something that everybody does. Everybody sleeps. Everybody sleeps, and you can't. You can only fight not sleeping for so long. Like you could tell they're trying to drink coffee. They're taking pills. Um, whatever they keep trying to keep you up. Um, like there, you can <laughs> avoid other things like Jaws. You're afraid of the water. Don't don't go to a beach ever again. Oh, we didn't mention Jaws. That was seventies. Yeah, yeah, but we're okay. They're, they're, sorry. They know about it. Yeah, we we don't have to mention every single movie. We're talking about the eras, not the not every single movie that came out in those eras. Um, you know, Jaws. You're afraid of Jaws? Okay, don't ever go to a beach again. You you can live without going to the beach if you can't even make some people. Most people don't even see a beach in their lifetime. Uh, <laughs> uh, you saw Psycho and you were afraid of the shower. Okay, I guess sponge bath so, it up or something. Yeah, if like, you have a phobia, like you shouldn't be going to see those movies if you get that freaked out. Like but, it's okay to be freaked out a little, but <laughs> but you can't avoid sleeping. Like you will eventually, whether you want to voluntarily or not, you will. Pa- I love you will fucking sleep. I love the backstory. <laughs> okay, in that movie because it's not just a slasher. It, it, it oh sorry, it is, but it's a different. It's new in. The backstory. So he he create he used the setting from the formula, okay, but he created a great backstory. Good act, good young actors, up and coming. Johnny Depp's first first freaking movie. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp was in that movie. Um, he plays the neighbor, the boyfriend uh, next door. Yeah, um, one of the most iconic deaths. Yeah, in the damn eaten bed by a bed. Yeah, and geyser uh, blood shoots out into the ceiling. 
And I love the badass. Uh, her 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 dad's the uh, chief cop, whatever. Um, he's that guy is badass. I forget his name. Good actor. So you have good actors, okay? You have the you have the setting, okay? And then you have something new, a new ideology for slasher sleeping. This nightmare is gonna kill me. Someone in my nightmare is gonna act. He could actually potentially kill me in my dream. Yeah. Um, crazy. My you know awesome. Got to give the guy credit. I can't believe he passed away. I mean, everybody. Dies yeah, but he eventually. was young, though, wasn't he? He was like fifth, late fifties, early. I, I, don't I don't know. know. How old he might he have was. been older than we thought, but um, I don't know how old he was. Long story short, great, great series. Um, they made the sequels, obviously, because they were making money. They cashed in. Some of them were good, like uh, Dream Warriors. You know, they started to get a little, come up with new topics. Um, yeah, and they I mean, they made Freddy interesting. Robert England did a fantastic job playing. You know. Freddy Krueger for all the years that he did. So we're not going to argue the fact that um, what I get pissed because I'm a Friday fan. The damn director Ronnie Wu or whatever the hell his name is mm-hmm. when he directed for they finally made Freddy versus Jason. Yep. Um, didn't Robert, Robert England came back for Freddy? Didn't he? Yeah. And then they didn't use Kane Hodder for Jason. Why no. the fuck not? Well, because guy behind a mask, so it doesn't matter as much, I guess. Like, we're not you gonna know, go, we're you not going to. You would know if you change. Freddy. However, you can't really tell if Jason's been changed right. because you know it's a guy wearing a full suit and mask and makeup and whatnot right. underneath that. If you do see them without the mask, so I don't know. Probably that's probably that might be one of the reasons why. Yeah, you just know I'm a uh, diehard Friday fan, but uh, yeah, um, we were all like, you but know, you, YouTube Robert video. England, Freddy yeah. talks a lot, yeah, and stuff like yeah, that too. So. So, I guess you wanted to... In, in, yeah, he in, talked. That was the other thing. He in, talked, which most other slasher guys didn't at that time also. In Ronnie Wu's defense, um, not not my ideal candidate for a director of those movies. I heard I heard a rumor that he uh, didn't even see half of the Fridays and he's not really into that type. He, You know, whatever. But in his <laughs> defense, he wanted to try something new with Jason. Mm-hmm. He wanted to try something new, so... You know, you might as well try something new. A lot of Friday Thirteenth directors, like Tom McCaughlin and uh, McGoughlin and and um, you know, they were getting tired of making sequels as well. You know, yeah. they wanted to try something new. Like, like Tom McGoughlin directed Part Six. I won't talk too much about this, but he said to the producers, Frank Mancuso and all of them, at Paramount, really, you want me to do another one? I don't want to do another one. Do you? Do we need to do another one? Like, they, they made, they did make too many of those damn movies, but. They were popular. I think they were pretty much like the equivalent of what the Saw in our time. The Saw uh, movies, yeah, I guess they kept you could coming out like which is there was a, a cult which following. Which is gore in its own thing. Yeah. There was a cult following for that. So, anyways, um, these directors have to come up with something new. But come on, I mean, a lot of us were pissed because Kane Hodder didn't come back. But in, long story short, you know, great movies um, that didn't come out till two thousands. That'll be we already mentioned it. So um, that's that was on our list for two um, thousands. I believe it came out in like 2003. Um, also, uh, so 1980s. Um, Wes Craven, great job. Um, you said uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Evil Dead. Yep. Another was... another genius who uh, came up with a cool camera technique too, with his uh, with his effect. You know how they did, you know like uh, I don't want to I don't want to really go over the whole synopsis of the movie or anything, but the you know the effect when they did that quick the zoom from the cabin out into the woods and all that stuff. Oh yeah, the first person. Um... Yeah, that was a camera with two guys and a two by four board, 
and the camera's in the middle, and the guys would just inter the intermittently lift their arms up and down between each other. As the and they're running fast, they're obviously. Moving they're trying forward. to run fast. They're yeah, to run. and then they just sped up the film. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Cool effect. So simple. Something simple, so, as simple, simple as that. Thing. Yep. So that's, like, good directing. Like, yeah, and not, that was something that si- wasn't done before. It's not rocket science. Let's just do something different but simple. Yeah. Um, great movie. Obviously, Bruce Campbell, one of my iconic... Uh, I love I love Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Hilarious. And then we also have, near the end of the... 80s, uh, yeah, the Child's Asia, Play, Pet Cemetery, things like that. So these movies, so and so, Gremlins, okay. Gremlins was the 80s also. So for the time, okay, let me just mention the fact that because I'm Gremlins, relating it, the best Christmas. I'm relating movie. everything to the time. So you have Ronald Reagan as president. Okay, the war on crime. You know the economy is good, great, very, very good. My favorite Republican president is, mm-hmm. is um, Reagan. Um, so. Those eighties um slashes, the critics were like oh, they they were like frowned upon. What is this? Like we wouldn't want we don't want our American ch- children, teenagers watching this stuff with their girlfriends on a Friday night. Like, what is this? Like very like very bold. Like these movies were popping out like nothing, like popcorn movies, like, oh let's watch uh let's watch this uh slumber party match, watch people get hacked up. Of course the damn critics were like... So, and keep in mind, Ronald Reagan's on his agenda was the war on crime. Um, in these cities like um, New York and Boston, New York City especially, jeez, like, the, like no, again, the profession of law enforcement was not big. Um, you know, people were not, oh, let's go to school and, and like, like today, like, it's hard to get a job as a police officer. But back then, you know, you had, like, Manson and these damn maniacs in New York City with drugs and... You had cops in New York that were like, "Holy crap! How do we deal with all this crime?" Like, yeah, you know, you had, you had cops, the you Whitey had, Bulger, yeah, yeah, you had, yeah, you had, you had. So cops back then were like dealing with crime. It's like so on Reagan's agenda was the war on crime, Reaganomics, the war on crime, uh, Reaganomics. So, uh, so that being said, like I just wanted my point is like bold slasher movies were in that time, so it's it's crazy. Um, uh. 1990s, you want to shift over because you had Leprechaun, you had Child's Play, like you said. But my, and then I was going to mention that I was going to mention that in the end of the 80s, uh, the slasher is it's like kind of post slasher, if you will. Um, the slashers are winding down, okay? yeah, they were winding so, down. So you have Child's Play, you have Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, I'm a huge fan of her. Um, uh, oh, they're winding down, they're more like humor now, a little bit. Incorporate some humor into them, if you will. Uh, that you know, let's have fun with it. So if you want to mention anything else about winding down the eighties, um, no, not really. We can move on quickly to like. There's not much to really talk about in the nineties, and there's a few films, but well, we had Scream, which was which was when I was a kid. Scream was probably one of the most. I, think I was like six, seven the, years old when that came out. Of the it 90s. scared me. There's a lot of like CGI crappy horror movies in the '90s, also. You know, like uh, Species, Eight Anaconda, House on Haunted Hill, Sleepy Hollow. Um, like the uh, '90s was full of crap. Yeah, well, we know what's that other one? Real quick, um, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so, uh, but anyways, one of my favorites in the in the. Uh, I mean, there was a few good ones. If you want to go with like psychological horrors in the '90s, like uh, Silence of the Lambs. 
Oh yeah, that was yeah. the '90s. Um, Hello, Clarice. Um, so uh, <laughs> you know, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, one of, his, so, one of his better roles. We watched that on the sleepover one night. Remember that we watched yeah. the original um, one. We night. also got a lot of sequels. You used to, to have all, like the '80s and the '90s. Uh, by the way, um, we, we Kyle and I have been friends for a while, but he used to have a nice, uh, wicked nice. Uh, Big screen TV for the time, like back then, it yeah. was one of the big ones. And yeah, we had a big ass TV. Believe me, um, back then, uh, when you're when I'm sleeping over, hanging out on the weekend, like uh, you know, we have the lights off, we're watching like the original. I remember we did that one night. We watched Silence of the Lambs, the original, and it was cre- kind of creepy because all the lights are out, like no one was interrupting us. Like it was, it was cool. Yeah. Um. Anyways. <laughs> um. Anyways. So, back on track. Um, you had '90s. You had Scream, which I'm a huge fan of. As a kid, the Ghost Face um, that scared me because I remember I used to. I did get scared when I saw that because I saw a little bit. I I remember seeing. I remember seeing like the box or some type of pre trailer maybe for my parents. When obviously I didn't watch it. Um, but when I that Ghost Face used to freak me out as a kid. I think I was like seven years old, eight years old. Um, which I used to go to bed and put the covers over. Scream my, was Wes Craven as well. So I, I I remember going to bed as a kid. I used to have the sheets over my head sometimes if I was nervous because the ghost face really scared me. That mask, for some reason, as a kid, yeah, yeah. really scared me. See, I never watched Scream when I was a kid. I watched it when I was uh, much older. I, I think I might have watched it somehow with my dad when I was like... I remember one of the ones that I did watch with you, though. I know what you did last summer. Yeah, we got into that. So the fisherman with the hook. Yeah. Uh, I, I originally watched that with one of my cousins because they were huge into horror, too. And they would love to. They still love to scare me by making me watch decent, all that, these different horror movies with them. That that movie actually had a decent cast. So um, uh, you had Sarah, Urban, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Did you ever see Urban Legend? Also. Yes. Yes. Oh wow, that's a good one. That's that, we that, that was a that was actually a really bad movie, but it was at the time it seemed pretty good. But right. It's not good. It did not age well for sure. All right. So neither did I know Jennifer she did Love Hewitt really, too. But. She was in. Uh, Yep. All right. So, anyways, okay, they came out with sequels, but okay. So, let's let's t- talk about the time. So, I'm not gonna talk history, but uh, you have a shift in horror from you have a shift in horror from slasher to a hip type of pop, um, a hip horror movie that just we know because the slasher was over. Um, they weren't gonna make. I, I'm not exactly how successful these horror movies were in the '90s. I know Scream did well. Um, they obviously made sequels to I Know What You Did Last Summer, so it probably did well in the box office. Oh, well oh, enough. Final Destinations. Well too. enough, well enough to make a sequel, so obviously they made a little money. Yeah, Final Destination, exactly. You have these hip. Oh no, Final Destination was two thousand. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. Again. Um, you have these hip teen, um, teen movies that are kind of like fun. I don't know exactly the word I'm looking for uh, to describe these movies. They were they were trying really hard. To be a good slasher film, and they kind of weren't. They're so you very, would say you would, very niche. you would say they were a try-hard slasher. Yeah, and they they did good at some things, but they fell short on a lot of other things because they're just trying. To, they weren't really recreating anything new. Like if you'd never seen any other horror movies, they were probably more terrifying to you then because if you you'd not seen anything before, but. You'd seen anything from like the eighties? You were just like I've already seen all this. It's really nothing new, right? So then the nineties, it's like I think they did a great job. They had the budget, obviously. Like Scream had the budget, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. The cinematography Scream was a unique one just because of the way they how it ended, basically with it being more than kill- one. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, I have the collection, I believe. I have them all on Blu-ray. I have 
I have the first three on Blu-ray. I also have the... What's you know, your favorite love, scary movie? You know I love my Walmart bin. I happen to find the damn... Yep. Uh, I think I found the damn collection Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It was an all-in-one. I was like, really? I was like, this, I just hit the jackpot. I was like, really? The co- the collection of all three? But I did buy the fourth one on DVD, so I have all four. Yeah. There, there, there is only four of them, right? Uh, uh, by the by the way, yeah. yeah. By the way, I love uh, Emma Roberts in Scream Four. But uh, anyways, um, so a little crush going on there on her. So um, <laughs> <laughs> she's also an American Horror Story. Um, so um, 1990s, we have Candyman. We have um, yeah, which you mentioned. Uh, the people under the stairs. Another was Craven. Okay, uh, I've never so seen I, that, I got one, that but I do know of that movie. Okay, I'm gonna bring it over. Um, Blu-ray because I got it from the bin. So, uh, uh, so not not gonna talk too much about synopsis, but we don't have time for no. The so so we're running. Right. We're we're already at almost an hour on after the break. We gotta kind of speed yep. up a little bit here. Yep. So the, another great sorry another, another great <laughs> Wes Craven movie. Um, both. Yep. So the Masters of Horror. I believe they're Masters of Horror. They use the same formula every time. But the fact that he did something different really gets the cake. Yeah, well, Craven um, was another guy who was doing things since the 70s, so he like knew what he was doing by that time. Okay, so let's move on to You want to move on? You know, we don't have to talk too much about the 2000s. 90s, the 90s sucked. It wasn't that yeah. great in horror, when it comes to horror and stuff like that. For you the want most to talk part. about the discussion? Let's go to the discussion. Uh, yeah, because like, 2000s wasn't that great either. Like, 2000s was just like a bunch of like horror comedy, like Freddy vs. Jason, Jason X... Uh, Jeepers Creepers, things like that. I mean, Jeepers Creepers was good. Oh, I did like that, yeah. 2000s, Most yeah. Most yeah. movies that came out in the 2000s were kind of crap also, for the most part. Although you did have Sam Raimi with The Strangers, which we, I still have to see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, the end discussion. So let me just gather everything here. I have an outline, but the, the whole point of this podcast is I, te- I texted Kyle and I had an idea about... Let's talk about decades of of horror and how it evolved. Yeah, what? This is our opinion. Every everybody's has their respective opinion. Um, everybody has their own own opinion, which is great. We'd love to hear the comments below. But, um, what makes a successful horror movie? I believe that it has to do with the formula. Like, use a little gore. Um, you know, geez, um, obviously Friday Thirteenth, Halloween. You can use gore. Um. I, I like the suspense factor of it. I like being scared, like the whole music, the whole setting. Not so much the gore. It's kind of disturbing. I don't like watching like gore porn, like Saw. Like, I'm not a fan of Saw, but like um, the whole setting, the suspense, um, the interesting characters and backstory, the acting. You have Kevin Bacon in the original Hall, uh, the original Friday Thirteenth. Um, you have Crispin Glover in in you know McFly. Yeah, but most of these like except. For like Christian Glover, um, most of them weren't well-known actors at that time, right? So, so they, like mentioning their big names doesn't matter that for okay, in terms so, of it being a good movie, so right? What I'm trying to say, I thank you for disagreeing disagreeing with me because Chris, Christian was like literally the only big name actor at that because I don't think Kevin Bacon was that big, right? When he it was, was in, his first movie, I think. Yeah, so he wouldn't so, have been big yet. But you have these young 
So Sean Cunningham, because I watched all the documentaries, they just so happened to become big after that. But Sean Cunningham, okay, like I happen to watch all the all the same you know, thing with Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, she'd been other effect. things, but she wasn't big so until a, after. So a casting crew and a director know if they really care about the movie they're making, they know what they're looking for because they're so evolved in, uh, into their movie. They're so involved. They want somebody like like he described them as. Kids you would see in a Pepsi commercial, fun, innocent, <laughs> yeah. uh, attractive, attractive young woman, attractive young man, like handsome, uh, nice looking woman, like uh, cute girls, and and like, well, yeah, you know, oh, they're all athletic. They're you want to look at attractive people. <laughs> they're all in shape. They're they're athletic. Uh, they're young people. You know, um, you have a you know you have these, and also they they they're young, but they're good. They're good. They are good actors. So they did evolve into, like Kyle mentioned. So these people are famous now, but it's for a reason. They started off with movies that did well. Corey Feldman, a young kid in Friday Thirteenth. Um, Crispin Glover, who uh, from the documentary, long story short, he actually had a connection with. This is the fourth Friday Thirteenth. Like he probably didn't wasn't thrilled about being in the movie. He had such a connection with one of the casting, um, a member of the whatever what are they called the uh, casting manager or producer. Who picks the? Uh, they go for auditions uh, and yeah, I don't know, like yeah, casting manager, casting manager, right? So I they don't, had I don't know the proper terms. So they had such a connection, and she knew. And Joe Zito was the director of Friday Part Four. His team was so into the movie and making a good movie. That's why it came out good, because the actors were. You had the formula. You had the formula that everyone uses for a slasher. But you had the acting that was good. You were interested in these kids. They were hilarious. They're cracking jokes in the car on the way. They oh, let me type this in my computer. Ted, you're a dead fuck. Like stuff like that. The dialogue. Yeah. These kids are funny and they're partying and they're having fun. And then all of a sudden they start dying one by one. Oh shit! It's a Friday movie. We're gonna see them die off without a fight. And but until we get to the final girl, then there's gonna be a little struggle. Like, in the people don't. The, anyways, my point is, that's what makes a good successful horror movie you have a backstory you have actors that intrigue you as a as a well, fan. you definitely need to care about the characters because like just seeing a character die that you have no backstory on or whatever that just you know whatever who cares they died oh no i don't why should i care that this person died so then you have no names like friday i'm, I'm using friday pop four as an example okay you have no names like eric anderson eric anderson he spells it weird a different uh, well all right, so this I'm getting down to the end of it now. You have no name actors like in the documentary. He was you could tell he is a no name actor. He is in nothing today. He might be in a few TV shows. Eric Anderson, who played Rob in Friday Part Four, the guy who's trying to hunt down Jason. Yep. In the documentary, he's with a director at the film location. In the documentary, long story short, this is what he loved that movie, and he doesn't care that he's not. He's so into it when he's when he's grown up with the director. The director's old too. You could tell they're just talking with each other in like it's like they're gonna make another movie tomorrow. They were so still like that director could probably do another one. How into it he was. Yeah. Joe Zito. And you have obviously not a huge fan of Steve Miner, long story short, I think he kinda just was there for the ride, like these young people from Paramount, let's go make make some money and make a fun slasher. Yeah. Um Let's cash in the cash. The cash grabs. Yep. Let's go cash in and just bump. You know, the, the the acting wasn't there in part three because they were doing. They were so focused on the damn three D. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so what I'm trying to say, that's what I was trying to say is, even though you have no names, okay, they're still passionate about their movie. That's freaking 20 years old, 20, 30 years old. Um, incredible. Um, that's what they want to be known for. That's that's who you want in your movie, like the casting, the you, setting, the formula. You gotta find people that want to that are gonna care about their acting and the project and whatnot. Right. Instead um, of the people that are there just for the paycheck. Frank Mancuso Jr. Like um, he was young, but he he knew those money. These movies would make money. Um, that's not my point. I'm I'm pretty much done ranting. Uh, but my point is, you have the setting, you have the acting, you have the directing. Um, but you use the formula, the formula of success, like for a horror movie. But honestly, I like watching like my girlfriend and I like watching a good thriller. Yeah. So I like to hear your thoughts, Kyle. On um, oh, just one more thing, like the fact that they like you know like I'm still again I'm a Friday fan, so I'm using that as an example. The, the franchise. They you they some of those movies went through multiple Jasons. They switched halfway, like part two and part six. What the hell are you doing? Part four didn't have to do that. They had everybody ready to go. Obviously, you don't have your priorities straight if you're. Oh, we just shot half the film. It's it's already on film. He can't. This guy can't do stunts. He's a, he's the villain. He's the killer. He can't do stunts. We got to get somebody else in here. Oh, he looks a little uh, little obese on camera. You have these damn producers from up above, like Part Seven. It's that's why they made too many of them. It should have just been the first four. You have yeah producers. Little, it's called the cash grab for a reason. You have producers from up above disagreeing with directors on 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 Jason. On somebody just cash grab. Oh, I'm a, I'm a producer of Friday Thirteenth. I know it's going to make money. I'm going to cash grab. I'm gonna I'm gonna intervene. This is what happened in Part Seven. I'm going to intervene with the damn director and tell him he can't do something. He didn't want to do it in the first place. I'm very passionate about this stuff. He didn't want to do it in the first place. That's how a movie fails. When you have these disagreements. And the movie's already shot. Because it's rushed. They have a deadline. It's low budget. Let's pump this out and make some money. Um, You know, it's like... (laughs) Sorry to start ranting. Sorry. (laughs) So, the fact that they use different... That just tells you right there that it it failed. Um... (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm having fun here, guys. So, uh, but that's my, you know, that's what I have to say about a successful horror movie. Oh, yeah. I do like the thriller. So, Kyle, what what are your thoughts? Um, To make a successful horror movie? um, I definitely agree with you on the characters. You need to have some sort of backstory because you got to care about them if you're going to kill them off or if you want to see them survive or whatever. Um, I don't necessarily think they have to be the most, like, hot looking characters for you to care about them as long as their story is written well um the other big thing for me is set piecing and making things build up suspense it has to it has to have some sort of a you you feel like something could happen at any time building up and trying to break the tropes that have been made now like for me it has to it has to try and break these tropes it can't have a build up to the suspense jump scare type thing like it has to do like a build to suspense oh shit nothing actually happened oh no when will this thing happen now an example um it's tough cuz a lot of movies don't do this um uh well Hammerstein Halloween it would just be build up suspense and then it would do the jump scare because right, right. it was still new then. And same thing with Friday the thirteenth. Um I guess in terms of 
trying to think of a the of a movie that I've seen recently. I know there's a few that have done it. I can't think of them off the top of my head mm. where it would build up the suspense, but then nothing would happen. Um, and I don't mean like um the paranormal activities, like not like that where it builds up the suspense and nothing happens for the first couple nights in the movie right. type thing. But I know there was some horror movies that I recently watched. Um, actually, I think Sinister. Sinister did it. They had that build up of suspense with nothing happening, and it was just portraying things um, of you know the demon Bagul and how it showed him. Uh, well, like it showed films of families being killed, but the main family, nothing's happened to them for most of the movie, except for some like paranormal shit every now and then type thing. I'm trying to think of other movies though. I know there's one that did a great job and I can't think of it. Like I don't even think what the name of the movie or even what it was about. But I know there was um there was one that did something like that where I was just like I thoroughly enjoyed it because of the way they were able to do it. Uh maybe it was Get Out. Right. Oh great. Get Out did a lot of I own that movie. Yeah, Get Out did a lot of like suspense build up but no payoff yet type thing. Yeah, like he's, when he's when he's in the... Um, and it also had a few twists, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, Get Out is a very good example of a movie that also I thought was going to be shit, and it was probably one of the best movies I had seen that year. <laughs> so would you would you agree with me that though so it's setting? It's... Setting. Char- it's, like, set pieces is a big thing to me, too. That's why uh, the new It remake, I love mm-hmm. it. That's why I absolutely love it. Um, because of that, like the set pieces were fantastic in that, and it does come down to acting too. The actors need to care about their job. Mm-hmm. Like if they're just there to get the money, then they're you can see it. You can tell that they don't give a shit. So let me. Can I mention one more? Yeah, go for it. I don't want to cut you off. Good. Uh, I'm using again. I'm using uh, Friday as an, as an example. Part six. Tom McLaughlin. He. A young director, uh, very intelligent. He knows the film like inside out. He is a he likes gothic, right? Yeah. So he took gothic, okay, and incorporated it into. I shouldn't say because I I want to cover myself because I said that part six was bad because it switched Jason. Part six was pretty damn was damn good because Tom McLaughlin took something and ma- it made it different. Like we've seen the, the five movies, uh, the five Fridays. Anyways, same thing over and over. He incorporated gothic, and he also incorporated humor. Let's make it fun. Um, they said they, he asked the he went to Paramount. I think he pretty much asked him, "Where are my limits here? Can I pretty much do something different?" Yeah. They pretty the one rule was pretty much you can't make fun of Jason. You can't make it a comedy. It still has to be horror. Um, he said okay, so he went with it. He did add humor, and he also added gothic. He had him rise him from the dead with a. Electric uh, thunderbolt, uh, lightning, like uh, Frankenstein. Yep. That's called a good horror movie. Look what he did. Because he wasn't happy either. Really? You're making another one? Sure, I guess because they asked him to direct it. Sure, I'll direct it. Um, but really, you're making another one? Look what he did with a young young cast. Uh, just because he switched Jason's. I, like, I'm, I'm, cover- I'm catching myself because I don't mean that. If it's Tom McLaughlin listens to this podcast, good good I, job with your movie. Yeah, I, I doubt. <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen anytime um, soon. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kyle. Um, setting, 
acting backstory. Um, I do agree with you with the props with the. Mm-hmm. And then another um, thing that I would appreciate more movies to do that I don't think any of them really do is give you more backstory on you know the the villain, the killer, or whatever. Um, I know you get backstory of Jason throughout the series, right? But you don't get a lot of him, you know, in the first one that he's in. Mm-hmm. You get some about a boy Jason in the first one. Obviously, the the thing was the whole thing was you didn't know who the killer was though in that right. one. That also made sense. But like, I see a lot of movies where they just they don't take time to really give you make you give a shit about this villain like. He's just there. It's just there. Something that's just there a lot of the times. I prefer so like back, more fall into backstory. A um, little more, uh, some sort of a backstory on them to make it like that would make it really good. So the first Friday, let me just tell you, um, they didn't want sequels. Their movie that was their mm-hmm. movie, and that might be why Halloween's really good to me too, because you get backstory on the killer before it really ramps up. Right. So. Friday, they just that was that was the one and only. So I I respect the hell that the hell out of the fact that John um, Sean Cunningham has the rights. Sean Cunningham has the rights, and uh, he just that's the one that's his that was his movie, and he he despises the sequels. Like, why are you making a sequel? Obviously, cash grab. Let's it made this much money. Let's keep going. Um, his movie alone would have been great alone. Obviously, same thing with Halloween. It would have been great alone, you know. The original. Well, yeah, it was quite wrapped up. The original because Jason wasn't even supposed to be the killer. It's just supposed to be a special needs um, uh, boy that drowned. Yeah, and he only shows up at the very end as a dream sequence. So that fact, right? Thing. <laughs> and I don't know if that was Victor Miller. Probably, yeah. It, was, it, it could have been. Um, you know, it's probably everybody. But Tom Savini did a great job with the facts in that movie. Anyways, yeah. I mean, that's. So Jason pops up in this dream sequence. Another jump scare at the very end. You think, oh, man, the music, okay? Again, that's one of the other things. That, I'm glad I said that because that's dun, another dun, thing that makes it successful. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the, well, the music at the end. So the music at the end, right? You create this calm. So it's a horror movie. Now you have this calm. It's over. Okay, good ending. Mm-hmm. I killed the villain. You think it's over. I yep. killed the villain that killed me. You feel my... safe. The audience relaxes. Oh, it's over. Look at that thrill. That, oh, that's like a... No more killer. He's um, dead. She's dead. Um, no more jump scares. <laughs> nothing like that. Oh, Jason we can relax. Up. And then, yeah, that, that that's probably one of the most iconic, unexpected jump scares if you've never seen the movie before. And you haven't heard this podcast where we spoiled it right now for you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, enough said about that. Music is definitely one of them in my book. Um, Now, music builds a sense. um, There just has to be things that off-put you. To get a good, to get a good horror or suspense, you need things that look normal, but your but tells your brain that something is wrong with this. It could be something so simple as a very very slight tilt of the camera off center. That actually causes suspense to your brain because you realize something is wrong. You don't, you don't, you see it. You don't visually recognize it, but your brain goes, "This isn't right. This is not right. <laughs> something is wrong here." Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to talk about games, but um, Doki Doki Literature Club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Yeah, they do a very good job at subtle fucking with your mind before things get crazy in that game. 
um, by doing right. things like that. And I I talk about it too much on this in these podcasts, but it scenes and like their their set pieces did a real good job with all that. Um, some other things in the movie may not have done things correctly. Um, some sort of suspense buildups were kind of bad in that movie. Um, looking back at it, but the set pieces were fantastic. There was always a feeling of something is wrong here. This is not right. Something is going to happen. Type thing. So look, at, I'm just gonna say one more thing about the acting. The acting is huge for me. Like Friday Part Four, my example. You have Corey Feldman, a little boy who, um, all the actors were professional in that in that uh, situation. Like the um, the Ted something, uh, whatever his last name was, who played Jason Olderman, who was who who did westerns. He he stayed separate from everybody when they weren't on film on set, right? <clears throat> also, I believe so. Yes, but he but to he keep was himself gentle. in the mindset. He was gentle. Yes, but he was gentle with Corey Feldman. He used to take off his mask in the shooting, uh, in between in cuts, and explain, "Look, this is make believe. Uh, this is a movie. You know, you, you have." He would say to Corey Feldman, "You having a good time, kid? You having a you know?" Yeah. He tried to be personable, but Corey Feldman did not like when you're a young actor like that. Young acting, it's tough. It's yeah, tough when you're young. When you're a young actor like that, um, well, he didn't treat the Ted that well back. Like t- Ted thought that he was a little brat. The yeah. whole movie, like Ted was trying to be nice to him because he's a kid, but the Ted, the actor for Jason in that movie, thought that from the documentaries, oh, that kid was a freaking brat. Sometimes I wanted to wring his neck, like, <laughs> but he also stuck up for him though. At the same time, like, yeah, Joe Zito was so into it that he, like people were freezing one night in the water, like uh, getting pneumonia. Or, uh, yeah, because it was winter or something like that, right? Oh, Wasn't it? And, he, yeah. and and Ted got up and said, "You gotta stop! You gotta stop!" Because uh, I'm not I'm not going to continue the shooting because she's freezing. She's gonna you need to look at it. She's shivering. She's, she's turning blue. Or, yeah, yeah, she's turning blue. She's getting sick. And uh, he Joe Zito was so into it. I have so much respect for this because he actually turned around, and looked at him, and said, "Why don't you stick to acting and I'll stick to directing?" And he, they got into a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um. What I'm trying to say is acting is huge. Like, Crispin Glover would seclude himself such a different personality, but then they come together in their he family. He's a weird guy, And they think. come together in their <laughs> family. And Corey Feldman would always want to be with the, kid, with the cast. Yeah. Because he wanted to be in the family. Cause he, but cause he's the young kid. They're all, like, young adults. They're all adults. Yep. Um, he's the young kid. It was a family atmosphere. And, oh, man, I'd love to go to a, some convention for a panel and, and uh, just listen to them talk. If they ever had part four... <laughs> back just part four uh come back to talk yeah um that'd be awesome to have all of them <laughs> like just listen i wouldn't go crazy you know you can't be weird to, you know obviously i'd be a, i'm a fan i would just sit and listen and say wow this these guys are awesome like <laughs> yeah 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 so um you know i'm not gonna keep rambling here but uh you know we'd love to hear what you think we appreciate you listening to us this long um what uh, makes, our typical what... long podcasts yep <laughs> But we're going on to almost two hours now. So we'd love to hear in the comments below what you think makes a great horror movie. Whether it's if you want to mention something that you didn't like about a certain decade we covered. Um, if you want to mention something you agree with us on. Um, you want to elaborate on a certain topic. But what do you mainly? My question to you guys is: What do you think makes a horror movie succeed? Whether you know, especially today. Uh, present day what makes if they're gonna make a new friday 13th or a brand new uh, something brand new without a name 
something brand spanking new. What, what's going to make that movie succeed? What criteria makes it succeed? Yeah. Um, makes it money. Let us know in the comments down below. Um, yeah, I'm done looking at my outline. <laughs> we covered it. Uh, I appreciate it. I had, I had a great time tonight. Something I'm passionate about. I love horror. Um, Might have dragged a little bit in some sections, but whatever. We did drag, yeah. Uh, it's easy to get off topic, even with an outline when you're doing when you're when you're. Uh, this is words spew, though. So <laughs> yeah, it's words spew. We just spew the words, and hopefully you're <laughs> listening still. But uh, yeah, so that's it, I guess. Right? You don't have any other final thoughts? Said it all. Said your due diligences. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, leave you know a comment down below, like we asked, if you want about all that stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, if you're on YouTube, you can uh, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, don't you dare hit that other button. <laughs> uh, <laughs> subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, um, leave a comment down there if you want to on SoundCloud. We also check there. Um, leave a rating on, what is it, iTunes. And I think Google does a rating thing for their Google Play, which is also up on. But uh, other than that, uh, stay delightful, stay insane. Have a good day. Peace.